And we're live. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're welcome, man. No doubt, dude. How's Long it feel? Listener. Yeah, how's it feel to, <laughs> to come on after lifting from like kind of the beginning era? It feels good, you know. Uh, you know, I've watched a few of these podcasts uh, live and in the flesh, and they're always interesting. And uh, I've never been asked to be on a podcast personally, <laughs> so uh, I, I really do appreciate it. Oh, no doubt, man. You're a guy close to the industry that we're kind of fucking around in. I thought it'd be cool to kind of figure out what, what brung you to get where you're at or whatever, get deep in the field that you got into. But the real question on my mind before we even get to that is what was it like taking that DMT? Ah, bro, that was that was the summer of 2020, <laughs> if, I, if I recall. No doubt. That was that was a messed up year, bro. Like that was a in the in the thick so, of the COVID <laughs> fucking hysteria. I mean, all the hysteria, right? I mean, it it, it was brutal, man. Uh, man, it, it, so the thick of the hysteria, right? I'm I'm living in L.A., uh, North Hollywood, and um, you know. 15 days to slow the spread, you know, it's all good, you know, okay, we could do that. I, you know, I already work from home and didn't have a, a lot of productions up at that moment. So I was like, okay, I could do it a little break, you know, and then, and then that shit became three months. And then, you know, right next door to my house, uh, Van Nuys got looted. Uh, after Santa Monica got looted, you know, the Santa Monica made the news, Van Nuys did Van Nuys is a little uh, migrant working community, you know, in um, the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, so upper north part, really kind of an overlooked area. And it's, uh, you know, when it, it got looted, it was just like a lot of mom and pop stores and stuff, you know, a lot of Latin neighborhoods. See, it's, income. You, it's funny you say and, that. And dude, I, I, I don't, I I don't think right that, there, dude. Like, I don't even think that made the news. Place. I don't. I don't think that no, it, made. It didn't make. The, yeah. No, it didn't. I only heard about it on Twitter, and then like it was just like three blocks away from my house, and I had been like taking my son there, you know, during lockdowns, you know, going to some stores because they're, they're a little more chill, with like you know people being around versus some other parts of town, and uh, it got looted, and at that point I was just like, man, get me out of here, and I'd like left left California, went to Texas, uh, just cause you know, my, I had family there they had more space. And then, uh, and then I came and visited my family and I was just like, you know, all kinds of thoughts going through my head. Like everybody should have, you know, if you went through 2020 and you didn't have like some sort of self actualizing inventory of your life, well, you know what? Not I have no idea what's wrong with you. You know, <laughs> see, I didn't, I didn't realize that was going on in your personal life. You just came over and I was like, Hey, you want to fucking blow the doors off your barn? I mean, I had, I had, <laughs> I mean, I had, I had received some advice years back, you know, from friends of mine that had, had taken DMT and was like, you know, Hey man, if, if it finds you, you gotta, you can't say no, you gotta, you know, there's a reason for it. You know, there's like some sort of, you know, cosmic, you know, experience that comes to your doorstep and you can't refuse it. And, uh, 
you know, 2020 was rough, man. It was just rough, man. And, and, and it, it was just like existentially rough for me, at least maybe oh, yeah. not for everybody. Well, it, it, it all depends on where you were in the nation because certain areas got hit with some crazy shit. Some areas just went about normal. I mean, up here for the most part, it got a little weird, but then it normaled out pretty quick. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's still in LA. It's not normal. Yeah. I, I mean, we could talk more about that later, you know, but like, so, so anyhow, I just, you know, I, I forgot why. I think I just was, I came to visit my, my, my family and I'm, you know, you guys are like part family. So I call, you know, whenever I'm in town and then that's when I came to go, you know, just visit you guys, talk in your backyard, you know, and then you, you had brought that up and I still remember everything that went down. After oh, my lady was so <laughs> fucking mad. Like forever. <laughs> I I do was rough. I thought she was gonna leave for a minute. I was like, "This is gonna well, let's see what happens." You know, bro. Like, if, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm glad that did not happen. And um, you know, I I know she she runs hot. You know, well, not that, but um, if when, you when want... she gets mad because it was justifiable. You know, what well, the the big thing too. It's not like I'm a raging fucking moron druggie. I think that'd be if that was a scenario, that'd be a different blueprint to get mad about. But the fact is, like, I did everything I could to kind of set us up where we're at now. You can't look at that as me being a fucking complete idiot. So, I mean, oh, I don't... I don't no, no, I mean, I, I'll just fast forward, you know, a little bit in the conversation. It was a it was a life-altering experience, I tell you that. Yeah, dude. So so what was it like when you when you took the hit and you went under? What was it like? What did it, what, what happened? I always love talking to people and hearing what, <laughs> what, what transpired. I had no idea what to expect. Oh shit. <laughs> you know, all I know is that it was some psychedelic and then I know that you told me that it was temporary. Yeah, it, and I it, had heard from other people that uh you know, like I had heard, you know, the gamut, you know, don't go there unless you're prepared, you know, all the way to it's the prepared. easiest one to, you know what I mean? So it's kind of yeah. like you know, but the I, thing I is, feel like it's person by person. Well, the thing too, after you've done it, there's no way to prepare for something like that. No, man. It, you know, the closest <laughs> thing I can, I can literally uh, describe what happened, and it's a cinema example, which is kind of telling because of who I am. Yeah, was <clears throat> literally after uh, after Neo takes the red pill and like the, 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 like the fucking mirror starts to go inside his throat. And like, he just like goes into the matrix, but like bit by bit, I, I remember I took the first hit and you said, no, no, it has to be deeper. Okay. I took the second hit and you're like, no, it has to be deeper. And I took it and I don't even remember exhaling. All I remember is like, like I was downloaded like bit by bit into some matrix. <laughs> I, I, I just, I just remember just being like, and I feel like I heard that dial tone, like that, like, I don't know. And it was just like, I felt like I died. Oh, it is. It is. It's the only, it is the only thing it, to describe it. it. It is. It's a, it's like a death experience. It's hard to even explain that to somebody. It's uh, I always, I always use the analogy. It's like me, me trying to explain to you is trying to. It's the same way it would take for me to try to explain to you, explain to you, how to iron water flat. I can't begin to explain something like that to you. 
It's you're trying to explain the unexplainable. It's like you. It's like I crossed over, man. So it, so it, it, what what did you see when you what, do you? It's hard to hold on to it because it's vivid like a dream. But do you remember any pieces of it at all? Yes. Uh, the first thing I saw. So I, I I downloaded into this matrix, and it came out of my throat. That's where it came out of. Like either that was representative of the exhale or whatever. But like like it, like it's like everything came out of my throat, bit by bit, literally bit by bit, into this matrix. And when I went into the other side, and it's gonna sound cheesy but I literally saw my son's face. Ooh, that's solid. And it was just like, Did it scare the shit out of you. No, it didn't. Oh. And I looked at, I looked at him and I go, this is the most important thing I will ever do. And then, and then, and then I like, then I like redownloaded into white light. And then like these shapes happened geometric shapes Which, or yeah. yeah they were ge- yeah kind of kind of like a kaleidoscope yes they move at like, a, they move at a over big, it's an overlapping yeah. inner inner interaction with all these different shapes that are moving in weird complex matters matters yeah and it, it, it was just um it, it it was like i died and then when i saw my son and then i then started the process of being born again or coming back into my soul or coming back. And it, but that took forever. So I remember you, you know, you saying it'll feel like forever. And it did. It felt like probably oh, yeah. a year. You, you kept dipping, you kept opening your eyes. You're like, it's, I feel still feel like, dude, just close your eyes and write it. You're trying to fight it. That, <laughs> you, when you try to fight it, 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 it makes it instead of kind of a learning experience, it turns into a, a pure appear like panic terror is what yeah, happens well, part of it was kind of like it was it it's, literally it's, it's was intense like, it's super for, intense it was forever yes yeah and t- you had like forever to think about everything yeah your 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 mind's free of the constraint of the physical thing and you're operating strictly on a conscious basis so your time interpretation is diluted down to a weird way of 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 conceptualizing it. So you have a lot of room to think about things that are unconstrained and, but your mind will take you where it wants to take you on the journey. So here's how it felt. If you, in a visual sort of way, here's another cinema reference. So an interstellar, have you seen that film? Oh yeah. Yeah. Time dilation is a dead on hit for that. Yeah. So when he goes into the black hole and then he goes into that multi-dimensional cross-dimensional uh plane of existence where he's behind the bookcase yeah yeah that's what it felt like i was going through but for way longer than you know anything the movie oh yeah it 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 doesn't feel like eight minutes tell you that much yeah you told me it was like 11 or 12 minutes total and i really couldn't believe it yeah i i remember i went home and i couldn't even go to bed like I, I couldn't go to sleep because I felt like I had lived a year. <laughs> like I, I felt like I was gone. Like when I went back to my mom's house, because that's where I, I was just you know sleeping at the time. My she was watching my son that night, and uh, I remember going to you know, the, you know the guest room where he was in, 
and just looking at him with like way fresher eyes than oh, I've yeah. ever seen. Oh yeah, it'll do that. You know, and, and it hasn't changed since. Like it's, you know, I can honestly honestly say I do not fear death anymore, and I I can honestly say I feared it before, but I feel like I know what's going to happen now. It's not that, but the the whole. I just don't fear it. Just don't fear it. The big thing you take away from that DMT trip is that the thing that a lot of people I don't think they grasp fully, but when when you start to think about it longer, is the fact that you understand how chaotic the nature of civilization is, and it is uncontrollable. So the only thing you can do is try to live in the moment as much as you can, and that's what that trip puts that onto the forefront. It, because the chaotic nature of what it is when you're going through it, you understand how uncontrollable it is in its nature. And the only thing you can do is just be there for the experience. You know, I mean, if, what 2020 taught me at that height, it was something I already knew, but it's just, it's just so much harder to uh, live through is having zero control or feeling like you have zero control, you know, whether it be somebody locking you down or telling you you can't go somewhere or telling you you have to do a certain thing or, or you just like, you know, you honestly don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? You know, cause that was the first part of, you know, this, you know, COVID, you know, scenario. And, and then when, when, when you gave me the gift of DMT, <laughs> it just released that anxiety about not having control. Yeah, you accept the lack of control you do have. That's the big thing is accepting that you thinking you're controlling stuff is you bullshitting yourself. The moment you let go of what that control is and you just ride whatever gets put in front of you or you start actually making legitimate your own decisions and not letting people control it, you get super free in the way you operate. I wish I had found DMT, uh, man, when I was 20. No, you see, you wouldn't have got the... It, I think 23? It's, <laughs> I, I, I think it's only effective after you've been through the grind of life and all these other experiences. Because what it does, it gives you ability to chain a lot of your experiences together in that duration. And they, and they get represented as some kind of weird metaphoric story when you're there. So it gives you kind of framing for your, your inability to understand the idea of controlling things and other factors like that. I think when you're younger, it just becomes a thing of getting high. But when you're older, the way you can unleash your mind and kind of give it room to run with some of your thoughts that you kind of dis because when you're on that, when you're, when you're in that realm, you can't disregard what's happening. There's no way to turn your back on it. You're, you're confronted with the, the fact of the things of shortcomings of you and the bullshit you bullshit yourself with. And when you're confronted with it, then you got to make the choice. Is this something I'm going to address, or is this something I'm going to continue to ignore? You know, I mean, I guess I guess that's why DMT finds you, right? I mean, you don't. Oh yeah. You know, if you, I guess, if you're trying to do it right, uh, you know, I'd never been, you know, on a podcast where they were talking about DMT, but I heard plenty of podcasts, you know, people talking about DMT, but you know, just that the essence of like being open to what happens to you, controlling what you can control, having responsibility for what you should have responsibility for. And I mean, damn, sometimes shit happens, man. Like, it I is. Mean, well, that, that's why I make the comment too on the show. Me and Mike talk about, it. I mean, the only thing you really have the ability to control a hundred percent in this world is your emotions. 
It's the only thing that you have the only ability to actually control. Anything outside that, you're at the whims of whatever's environment around you. So, But if you can control your emotions, you can use it as a tool to navigate whatever chaotic environment gets put in front of you in the best manner. Yeah, I mean, 2020 was all about that. I mean, it was. Golly, I, I, I literally, honestly, I never felt like I was a control freak in my life. But having that like suffocating feeling of having like, like you have no control over your life or circumstances. And I know you said it's, re, you know, could be regional, you know, but like my entire industry was shut down. So I had a lot of time to think and read and way over pontificate about everything. And so, you know, the trip that happened, you know, even though I did feel, feel guilty when I saw uh, your wife's face, you know. <laughs> oh, she was but, so mad. I, I know. We could talk about that, too. I mean, it, it, I feel bad for my I, wife. I told her right See, away. I told I'm, her I'm right so, away. I'm so, I feel so bad for my wife that she's married to an individual like me. No, like she, she always wanted to be married to an individual like you. She no. always described. She always says yesterday. that, but goddamn, I piss well, her off all the time. She, <laughs> I, I don't know. She always described a person like you, and you know, you guys are perfect for each other. And what well, my wife? If you, make, if you make each other like, uh, if you if you give each other hell, that's good. You know, well, I, it I, seems I, like you guys like that. See, my I, I think me and my wife are the representation of chaos and order. She's a lot more order. And I'm a fuck ton of chaos, and I I think that's just how it goes. Like everything I do is. It's usually like now, do it now. It there's there's some thought behind it, but a lot of it is just like fuck it. Let's just do this. So it I it's mean it, some, it works. You guys have, you guys are like a cool duo. I mean, and, and I told her right away as soon as I saw her, I said, "Look, years ago, <clears throat> someone told me if I get offered, I have to do it." These people literally have become rich people, <laughs> and so I am not gonna just not do it. <laughs> And she looked at me and she was like, okay, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. And yeah. I was like, okay, I think she'll be okay. But I know she was really upset. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> but if she listens to this, I mean, hopefully she sees that it did. Honestly, it has caused me to have a stronger relationship with my son. Uh, I, golly, I just want to do everything for him. Part of me, you know, um, switching locales, which is part of, you know, fast forward in the future, you know, moving out of the state was part of this DMT trip. You know, oh, I, really? I will say that. That, yeah. that that was an outcome of it because the move. All right. So for your audience, uh, after a year of 2020, uh, I, I was just like, Oh my God, like, are they going to keep us locked down here forever? And not just that. I just started to feel like people around, like in my neighborhood, and just like my community in general started becoming very weird, like very weird people. Uh, and, and I'm not on Facebook, social media. I do. I produce a lot of things that go on Facebook and social media and all that stuff. But I personally don't engage in it. I don't, I don't have any of the accounts. No, it's toxic I as just, fuck. Well, I had the accounts. I literally, cause I went, I went to USC uh, for undergrad and in undergrad, uh, part of one class I had, which was like, I think it was marketing for motion pictures. I had the, it was 2005, the 
spring of 2005, my last semester, and they made us sign up for accounts uh, on Facebook, part of like, you know, this class. And at that time, it was only like, I think, USC, Stanford, and a couple of those old, those hoity-toity bullshit institutions, you know, like, you know, they were the only ones that had it and blah, blah, blah. So anyhow, whatever. So I had that shit for like forever. Uh, and then literally in 2015, I started to notice like hella politics on like Facebook. And I always liked it for like sharing college humor type stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, bullshit that's what and I always, and jokes and stuff like that. That's what I always thought the internet was for, you know, like, I guess not. The internet grew up and got old and got nasty, you know, but like, I like the kid internet, you know what I mean? E-bombs world and crazy cat videos. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not just the cat videos, but like, you know, Smosh when it, like they first started, you know, like the, the, the whole, like that kind of internet, but anyhow, so, uh, so I had it, but anyhow, 2015, I just like, I was like, you know what? Social media is only for celebrities, brands, politicians and people that want to just like ruin their lives. <laughs> like, you, you know, it. I had a question because we're going to, we're going to delve into your, your whole uh, arc of where you went through in life. But I got a question from an artistic perspective. I, Cause I always try to ask people and kind of get their feel that, that, that are more on the art side of things and they have a different way of looking at it. What did you think of that Bo Burham's inside special? The which one? I'm sorry. Bo, Say it again. Bo Burns Inside on Netflix. You know what? I have not seen that. What? It's a, it's a recent thing on Netflix. Am I correct? No, it's been like over a year now. Oh, man. Dude, there's so much out there, man. I, I'm just catching up on like literally oh, a lot of Hulu library. No, and, you, uh, you, need oh. to, you need to watch that this weekend, dude. It is such an amazing piece of art. Okay, I'll check it out. I mean, anytime I get suggested something, it goes to the top of the list. Big time, dude. Uh, like if you that, get a chance, that's just how it is. Yeah, you get a chance to watch it this weekend. It's it's keep in mind he did everything himself when you're watching it. That's good to know. I mean, literally that's my career. But yeah, I mean yeah. like <laughs> as an independent like, artist as an independent artist, yeah. when you watch you're like, This is fucking amazing. Nice. So it's it's a nature documentary. No, 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 no. It's uh, he's a comedian, but a lot of his com- his comedic base and in, in comedic jokes and everything's all structured around music. So it he he's 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 in this little shitty ass studio apartment, and he does all he sets up all the camera angles, everything, writes all the music, does all the music, performs it. It's all like satirical type music, but it's it. I know it doesn't sound amazing. Okay, watch no, it. No, no, no. It, it that's the internet. What you're, what you're yes. describing is what I think the internet is about. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to hell, hell, hell check it out. Yeah, yeah. Bo Burns Inside. I, I always preach oh. it to everybody. It's an amazing um, – um, it's it, it, the songs are funny. Everything about it's good. I like it. I know I know some people that are right-wing don't like it because the he's kind of a lefty, but like I said, it's all, all, his, all jokes come from the same place. Sometimes they don't land, but his jokes aren't over the top shitting on people on the right. A lot of it's oh. like he has other jokes that are that are targeted at corporate bullshit stuff they do, like like um like branding. Oh, that one. See what you just said about the branding thing. Like dead on nails. One of the songs he does. Well, I mean, I I think my my personal opinion is everything should be fair game. I don't know yes. why everybody. 
I'm going to be very honest. People on the quote-unquote left or right or however you want to define it, I mean, got some diapers on, man. Everyone's just yeah. crying about some shit, man. Just, this what, person is being what, treated unfair, and this person donated to this person. I think these people need to just grow up, man. I mean, it just... It just sounds so petty, and I, I, I don't know. But, yeah, like, I, I agree. Like, if he's coming at everybody, I'm good with that. Like, oh, yeah, he that's does. How, that's I, how I think it should go. It, in my opinion, watching it, he's it, I, it, feel, it feels like everybody's fair game. You know what? You know, we, you, know, you know how we live in some fucked up times? Is that right now should be the golden age of all comedy ever. It is. What are you talking about? No, no, but it, in 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 all culture, like well, every no. mainstream comedian right now should be just like it, teeing it, off on everything it, right it now. Is. Everyone's so like no, no, dude. tribal. No, it's, no, you're I, I, no, you're you're way off the mark, dude. You, hmm. If you think that's true, that means you're not watching the comedy scene. That means you're watching the corporate comedy scene. When you hit the YouTube, no, I, mean, I go out. I go out. No, I, I mean, I'm right now. I'm working on a behind the scenes doc with an actual. Uh, working comedian who's working the whole circuit. So I've been going around and like, even the comedians talk about it. They're like, yeah, you know, I really want to make some more jokes, man. But sometimes, you know, nah, man, I, I'm stuck. Oh, buddy, you're there's, a lot, of, there's, there's a lot of self-censorship going on. Right yeah. Now. But that's on the comedians. that don't have the balls to, to push it. You got guys like Legion of skanks. Most of the guys that are on Rogan, like when you get Andrew Schultz and, um, Aziz Arsari. Oh yeah. No, there, there is. You, you, yeah. Well, I mean, that guy has no reason. that that guy but, has nothing to lose right yeah, now. And, but then, I mean, but then you got him. You got guys like Shane Gillis, Sam. We're no, seeing, no, there are guys killing it. But it should yeah. be everybody right now. But, like, but, this but should that's, be like. But that's those those. I think those comics that aren't killing it are scared to death about losing potential sitcom TV shit. A lot oh, of those I guys know. that are afraid yeah. they're they're towing the corporate line where they don't want to close any doors. So they're not actually going for the laughs or going for the corporate okay thumbs up. We're hire you well, on our fucking for, program. They'll go for some laughs, you know, but they're just not going for like, they're not like Ricky Gervaising it, you know, right now, you know, like this, there's, there's just so much to make fun of for everybody. Oh, there is like all the comics, you know, like all the comics I follow are just are crushing everybody right now. Like the guys no, I follow, it, yeah. all the guys I follow, they don't make it on corporate networks. Everything they do is strictly underground on YouTube and they're fucking killing it. These guys are selling out everywhere and everything. No, I know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's like this underground, you know, thing that's not actually underground. It's very, very mainstream. Yes. I'm just saying what's really, what's really sad is that in comedy, because I always find comedy to just be like, we're going to knock out whoever, whenever, you know yes. what I mean? Like this is, this is how comedy is, you know? Com, com, it, the whole it, idea just, of comedy is, 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 you know, pointing out the bullshit of any type of structure. It, and what you're seeing is the people that are, that are literally standing up to it, they're reaping the rewards. Yes. You know, they're, they're seeing, they're seeing it directly. But what I'm saying is as a culture, wouldn't it be awesome if we could all turn on like Saturday night live, if that thing were still funny, what, the, what, you what? Know? no, I, time out. Hold on. What? I, it's not that. No, funny. it's okay. Funny. It's not Saturday. It'd be great if we all Saturday just, night like, live is the corpse. Of what comedy yes, used I to agree, be. But that's you, I agree. I hundred percent agree. I but, just wish. But that thing's already that be, thing is already in the ground. It's gone. Whatever Saturday Night Live is, 
It's it's never gonna be what it was ever again. It's done. It's gone. It, it it's 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 the same. Well, it's yes. yeah. It's the same as all the corporate network television um, news spots. Those things are they're shells of what they were, and they there's no way to bring them back. There's too much decentralized um, people either doing comedy or sketch comedy. There's all these other guys that are independent that don't have somebody be holding them, telling what they're allowed to do. So it, you get more. You have more freedom. And with the more freedom, you can get more like sketchy and spicy and build more tension with your joke structure. So it, it's going to hit well with audiences. And the thing is, once you've seen those guys and then you watch some corporate media fucking comedian on TV and they're, oh, and they're, like, and they're bland, it's, it, there's nothing oh, there. It's like microwave dinner versus like an honest like chef cooking you a meal. Yeah, yes. for sure. That's the problem is once you see these comedians that are underground that, that actually are really good comedians and then you watch the corporate allowable okay guy towing the line like this is fucking lame like this is what your version of comedy is and, and you know what uh, you know every week i see those guys you know they'll be at the laugh factory you know they'll be i'm not gonna tell you the did i tell you the comedian i'm following hey, no know. no you didn't tell me i'm drinking a little hello conversation but anyhow um yeah like uh, i see those guys you know you see those guys at the Laugh Factory, you see them, you know, at the cellar. Uh, and then you'll see the guys that you're talking about, too, you know, just crushing it. Yeah. You know, crushing it. And you just see the envy in these people's faces, because I know, because I'm just documenting, you know. You, you see you see, just like, oh, yeah, I wish I could go there, you know. You know, whatever it may be, you know. Just go there. Where, where, I, know, I, I don't I'm know. not a stand-up comedian. I'm. I, 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 I agree with you. But why are these guys? I, uh, why are these guys so scared to get spicy? I don't know. Right now should be the spiciest comedy. Yes, it should be the. But on every comedian, I mean, I feel like it's just you know. I'm glad there are people that are doing it, uh, and I'm glad that it's it's successful. But you know, at the same time, I guess what I was trying to bring up was like you're talking about like. It's very successful. They're selling out shows, whatever. You're not hearing about it here or you're not hearing about it there. I just kind of worry about all this, like, um, you know, pizza slicing of culture. It's been rapidly happening. It's not like a new phenomenon, you know. Okay, hold on. Because I think think you're missing part of the DMT trip. Because if you really pay attention to what the DMT trip is, all the geometric structures you're seeing that are fractioning off, that is kind of like a metaphor to how things operate. You you have massive decentralization taking place, and you kind no no I agree with you. But as a filmmaker, I was what I was gonna what I was gonna say was, as a filmmaker that makes a makes a film, you know my goal in honesty, you know, and maybe this is just an antiquated way to think about it, and this is honestly what I've been thinking about for you know a little bit of time. Is like I, I honestly want as many people to see my work as possible. You know, I don't want to just cater to this or that. You know, like no, right but, now, I'm not. I, I'm but, writing a horror movie, and I literally want everybody to see it because I think it's fucking awesome. You know what I mean? And it's not because I want all money or oh, I want this. I, I just think it's awesome. I want to share it. I, I want to share the I work. Think, you know, but, but I think you're missing a part of it. That's no, the critical factor. No, no. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's just it's just something I've been I've been. No, I understand that. But moaning about for a while, like even just like, let's say I I release something on Netflix. No, let's just say I release something on Netflix, right? And it's good. 
you know, it's great or whatever. But it's stuck but like, on Netflix. Only people that have Netflix are on. Correct. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not arguing that. This is where you run the problems. Film is in a totally different animal because film isn't just one individual making it happen and another guy running a camera. Film is requires multiple different specialties and people from the actor to the producer to the editor to the the key grip. Everybody's a, a critical part. So to try to scale that in the same manner when it comes to sketch like comedy or even sketch comedy, you can't pull that off. You the the cost overhead is too high to really do it like sure. that. Sure. I mean, but just even just content, you know, I, I like I honestly wish more like a lot of people heard your show. No, you no, know, I don't hope, I hope I, not. Well, no, well, not. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about life from a blue collar perspective. Where, where the fuck am I hearing this elsewhere? Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I like it. It's different. It's fresh to me. You know, I like it. Yeah, it was, the things it, that you guys talk about in your shop that are so specific, and it's fascinating to me. You know, I'm just like, wow, you guys are magicians of what you do, and it's, it's. It's awesome. So you know, be... and, and you know, like you brought if you brought a dentist on and they talked at at, at length and at seriousness about what they do, I think the same about them too. Oh know? yeah, it's, I'm it's oh, just I'm always what you fascinated. guys do is awesome. I want more people to hear your show. I'm always fascinated you know? to talk to people in industries that don't get a spotlight, and I, I think it that's how, that's the main reason I bring you on. Which I, I kind of want to what's let's delve into what got you going where you're at. So you're in the movie industry. You were part of kind of the what 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 would you say like if you had to quantify your your status in Hollywood initially like talking about indie film type stuff that would be like well, the best way. What I am is I'm an indie film producer, and what that means is every once in a while I'll get a film off the ground. Sometimes I'll sell a project to a company, uh, and the project is always in written form or pitched form or some odd, and sometimes or more often than not, they don't get made. Things will get purchased and not get made. Uh, but what I spent most of my time doing is I, I create content for uh, clients that I have, corporate clients. I, I won't name them. Some of them are boring. Some of them are absolutely fabulous nonprofits. Uh, and then in between, I get to do, you know, cool stuff with like, it's just whatever comes around, like, I'll be following uh, Chuck D for a whole semester uh, at UCLA uh, while he, he gives like a guest lecture on uh, the cross-section between uh, anthropology and hip-hop. And, and I forgot the exact divisions on where it's going to go from there. But, you know, like I get to do cool th- – I get to follow people. So so I do that. So I'm working on that. Um yeah, so I just I just make stuff and uh, I I write stuff. Some of it gets sold. Some of it ends up in a cupboard somewhere. And sometimes you know it's sad, but you know it is what it is. Maybe I'll unearth it later. But I haven't hit the huge movie yet. Um, that may or may not happen. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm doing okay for myself. Um, on like a small boy sector, I am not a big dog i mean i'm literally a small dog in a gigantic okay pond but uh, hold on i do good let me interject me. on that right there so right now you, with that statement you kind of proved my point you you want everybody to see it but realistically that without the giant backing of a major structure behind you you know that's almost impossible 
So what you can do is you can provide something to the market and if it and hope you can get enough traction on it to see if it, it gains. But even then, like you don't get the service a big sector of the market. That's the big that's the amazing thing about a global economy. Even if you only grab on to like 0.3% of the market, that's fucking massive. And that's a lot of eyeballs that see your product. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm making a movie. Uh, man, uh, this movie's been long in the making. Uh, I've talked about it with you for like a decade. Uh, there's a new incarnation of the movie. There's been like four different incarnations of the movie. Right now there's a whole new incarnation. Um so that is being funded by a television station in in Nevada. So that's cool. We'll see if it happens. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean that that thing they're doing involves a small, little, tiny subculture that's very, very uh, impassioned with what they do. And you know, you're right. If I just get it right, I get all of them. You know, to watch it. It'll be very successful, but well, like I don't know, man. Like, I, I, if you ask me how I started loving movies, it wasn't the streaming sort of way. No, so maybe I, I, I'm I don't just blame old, you. You know, I, I, <laughs> but there's other things too. Like, if you're in a position where you didn't need the the capital to back a lot of what you're doing, you could just you could make movies and cut them directly to YouTube. And and if you want the best traction, that's uh, that's unregulated traction where the market allows whatever. Wherever to move is where it moves. I, I think that's where YouTube does the best. You, you removed all the barriers of access, and that yeah, it's you can monetize it hopefully and try to make money doing it that way. But there's also options too where you can get people to do. People were pretty good about donating when you put out a good product. So if you were you if you produce an indie film, you do have the option to open up a Patreon and say, hey, if you like my content and you want to see us do more like movies in the future, if you help donate just $20 or whatever, it, it goes toward producing these. And people in the market are more willing to, to donate to independent things like that. Like, I'm more willing to donate to something like that than I will be to go out and buy a movie ticket. Fuck movie tickets. I'm about over movies. I don't think I'll probably ever go to the movies again. Really? You don't think you'll ever go to the movies again? No, the only, the only time you probably catch me at a movie now is at a drive-in. The only one left in Sacramento. Outside wow. of that, I am I have no desire to fund the bullshit that Hollywood pushes down people's throat. Hey, the- hey, uh, I, 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 I tend to separate the movies with from Hollywood, and I know that that sounds a little funky. I separate the movies from Hollywood because for me, the cinema is a religious experience, and I know this sounds fucking stupid, but. Going to the cinema is a religious experience. Sitting down and, and enjoying that large screen experience with and other paying people. forty dollars for popcorn and a soda. No, no, no. All that shit is bullshit. <laughs> you know, all of that. I hate all that stuff. You know, well, to that, me, it's like. Well, that's why I go to the drive-in. The drive-in, you can bring your fried chicken. You can hang it on the tailgate. You can. To me, that's more of a. If you if you had to qualify as religious experience. To me, going with your family and sitting in the back of the pickup at a drive-in outside with a bunch of other people sitting outside, that's way more of like some that I would think more of like a religious experience. Yeah, you know, I mean, let me ask you then. Do you have like fond early memories of drive-ins? Hell yeah. Okay, so so for me, it's just if 
if you, this is just a natural way to talk about how I started in the movie industry. I mean, well, hold this on. Will sound, this will sound stupid. I was raised in a movie theater. Literally. <laughs> I was fucking raised inside of a movie theater. So what was, what was your youngest age of really starting to be raised in a movie theater then? Oh, uh, my, my th- three and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was three and a half. My mother and my stepfather um, in Sacramento um, opened gift shops in the lobbies of the Century Theaters, Cynodomes in Greenback Lane that has been demolished. Yeah, Birdcage is gone. It's not Birdcage. This was the Century Cynodome. So it was a domes on Greenback Lane. There was like, but it's been demolished. There's, there's a Century Theater there now. Okay, there. I know what you're uh, talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, now. but it's it the theater. I mean, there's a theater there now that they have replaced the the domes with. So there's that. And then they the, their flagship store was on Arden and Ethan, the Century Theaters that were there when they were domes. Now it's just a Century Theater, just like a a square building, I think. But they there used to be the domes. Like theatrical domes, and um, they open gift shops there, uh, selling movie paraphernalia and uh, stuff. So, like, let's say you know, the Karate Kid is there. My parents sold all the Karate Kid posters, any anything that they could find that was Karate Kid, and like, my parents would even sell things like like foam nunchucks, like even though they weren't in the movie, you know, it's just like hell yeah, they would sell karate belts or whatever. It was like a like a movie theater paraphernalia slash whatever's at the like swap meet cool stuff there. You know they would <laughs> sell there. You know it's really it would charm bracelets and yeah, but I, know, I, I guarantee it sold. No, yeah, no, they sold everything. I yeah, mean, it was it was they actually had a successful business. You know, uh, you know, it, it was successful. So anyhow, so I was there. Literally, I mean, from the age of three and a half until 13, they had the business there. And so, like, all my memories are in the movie theater. And that was your initial, like, spark of, like, this is something, producing movies is something I want to do. Well, not the producing movies, but, like, literally the first time, like, we didn't have a TV in our house, in our apartment, you know, like my parents didn't have a television. They were like poor and all their money went into the business and whatever they could get. You know, my mom was, you know, without papers and, you know, my stepfather and they were just dating at the time was a, you know, an Afghan refugee, you know, he's, he's barely hanging on here too, you know? So, uh, we didn't even have a TV. So the only time I saw stuff on like flickering in my face, you know, was literally at the movie theater. I think we got a TV when I was like five. Well, or, what would you yeah, say? Five. What would you say was the first movie you recommend that you remember seeing at the theater? You had to think about it. Yes, the gods must be crazy. Oh, that is such a good ass movie. <laughs> no shit, I don't. I didn't even know it played in the theaters. Yes, it played in that theater. Yes. 
I remember the gods must be crazy. Oh, dude, that like is the first, such a good movie. It, was, it just was like it was cracking me up, man. And oh, it's hilarious. Like, I was three and a half too, or whatever. But like the film was all like so you didn't around... need to understand dialogue. You didn't need to understand. It was all like kinetic. It was all like like slapstick. It was all physical. Oh, the best it... is that that Pepsi bottle, man, was just hilarious. When they, when they tried yeah. to throw it back to the gods and it came down and hit somebody in the head. <laughs> oh. it, was a great, it was a great movie, man. Yeah, the gods must be crazy. And then, golly, I mean, I watched movies like like Terminator 2. I know I watched that over 100 times in the movie theater. Oh, my God. Like... There was one weekend where I think I watched it 15 times. It was a badass movie. Like, just, I would just watch it. And sometimes I would, like, leave it, like, maybe two minutes early so I could go across to, like, theater three from, like, four to three and catch, like, like two minutes into that screening so I could just, like, watch, you know, the movie on 20, you know, 20, like, just going all in, you know what I mean? Uh you, That's oh, how I would watch movies, man. Do you think like, there, that was it? Do you think there would ever there there is ever going to be another Hollywood star of the magnitude of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because no, I can't, I, I, I can't I hope there would be. I can't think of anybody that comes even close. Like The Rock tries, but I, I'm not. Arnold's still the man. Like I don't. You know, I just think like here's the thing, right? What's that quote that they tell you? Don't ever meet your heroes, right? Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean. I think you did. <laughs> no, I, I've met a lot of them, but like, I think that's what social media fucks up. Yes, for these I, motherfucking I, I, people, you know. Yeah, you know too much in, in, inside baseball. What kind of pieces of shit, or not that, but what they think about you. So if you you might have like if you have different political positions and you don't know about your movie star's position. Which it works good. You have a disassociation, but the moment that fucker starts then going online and talking about what he thinks, then all of a sudden you start losing your audience rapidly. Yeah, or you like, I don't know, or you like. One day they like there was something like during quarantine, you know, when everyone was quarantining in L.A. Like I used to think Josh Brolin, right? He's the man, you know, like. I cast that. I still cast that motherfucker, right? Like that guy. That guy's a great actor. He's really good. Yeah, from the Goonies but up the, to now, he's fucking awesome. He's just solid, man. He's just solid, and he cares about his craft. You could tell. And but anyhow, there's just this story about how he like fucking burnt his asshole, like like pointing his asshole at the sun, so his son like. It was some like weird fad that was going around during quarantine in L.A. Where hold on, what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You're, joking. You're, hold on. Look you're, it up, bro. you're moving too quick. <laughs> we gotta slow down a little bit and cover this properly. Let's start with what the fad is, and then we'll work into it. Okay, him. so there was a fad during quarantine where all these celebrities would point their, they, you know, in their backyards in private, or hopefully it was in private, you know, would pull down their pants. And then point their asshole at the sun. <laughs> Are you? This was a legit thing in Hollywood. Yes, yes. It, you could probably Google it. 
But like, I heard about it. I heard about it. Someone texted me the TMZ link, right? And it wasn't like, oh, we heard about it in Trey. He was just like, this has been going around for two days, and now it hit TMZ, right? But yeah, it was going around everywhere. But anyhow, well, well, wait, hold on. on social- what was the theory? Oh my god, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Because what because was the your theory? Like never sees the sun, I guess, and it would rapidly ingest vitamin C. It was just some internet what? shit, you know. It was the just fuck. Some... <laughs> so they would go in their backyards, put, point their assholes at the sun, and they were supposed to do it for like I don't know, ten minutes, and you had to point like spread it. Make sure the asshole is looking at the sun, right? <laughs> what happens it's if it gets sunburnt? Well, this motherfucker did it for a little too long. He got sunburnt <laughs> on his asshole. So Josh Brolin so, sunburned his asshole? Yeah, so then TMZ <laughs> caught him and and it, like at the emergency room and they're like, What's up? And so like he preempted the story by like going on social going on Instagram or one of those and basically telling the world like Hey, it's this little fad, you know, we're trying to stay healthy here during quarantine. And I, you know, I did this thing and I did it for a little too long. Ha ha ha. Silly me, you know, but like, uh, you know, I was just like, dude, bro, like, I don't need to hear this about you. You know, like back in the day, you didn't, you didn't hear that about any of your favorite stars that you're talking about. I'm sure Stallone and Schwarzenegger did plenty of dumb shit that we don't hear about. They're like, Maybe you shouldn't hear about it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to hear about like a, a, an action star I like talking about getting a sunburn on his butthole. Yes, because when he goes and kicks down the door and interrogates somebody at, in Sicario Three or whatever, I'm gonna be like, "This dude burnt his asshole." Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he sunburned his <laughs> asshole. Like, I, you know, I just feel like it's not like we don't want to treat them like humans or not humans or whatever. But I feel like if there's more mystery or the less you know about them, it's just the better. It, it Their work speaks more for itself. Well, the thing, too, is the more you know about them, the more you realize they're just people. And it kind of and it kind of knocks down the mystery of how amazing they are. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you realize, oh, for sure. They're just as dumb as I am. What the fuck? They just have a ton of money. All right. Just people story, right? So I'm in, uh, I'm in undergrad at, at SC. And it's a bunch of us. Uh, I'm a theater major at this time. I'm an acting major. And a bunch of us go to Jerry's Famous Deli in Beverly Hills from USC. In uh, Jerry's Famous Deli at this time, this is 2003, I think, is like the hottest place or one of the hottest places in, in L.A. to like see a celebrity or hang out with a celebrity or eat whatever. It's just like overpriced deli. It's a good deli. It's just overpriced. And it's just like kind of a cool, one of those cool places. So anyhow, we go there for a friend's birthday to take our friend there, you know, uh, a dorm mate. We go there, uh, a couple other theater majors and a friend of mine's just looking across the table from me. And he's just like staring somebody down, like, but with confusion. And I keep looking, and I'm just like, whatever. And we're all talking, blah, blah, blah. And I keep seeing that he's doing it. And then I'm just like, hey, Tay, you know, what's what you looking at? He's like, ah, I don't know, man. This, this dude just, like, behind you just hella looks like Christian Slater, but just, like, hella old and tired. 
was like, oh. And so I just like looked back and I was like, because it's fucking Christian Slater, dude. Quit staring at him. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so Christian Slater at this point is just like hella uncomfortable with my friend like staring at him and he's like, you know, using the menu to block, you know, my, my friend's face and all this stuff. It's it's all awkward. I'm just like, oh man. And then um so, so anyhow, so yeah, yeah. So and then and then he literally fucking runs away, like before like the food comes, and then my buddy goes and runs after him, and it was a, a little bit of an episode, but uh. Oh what the fuck, dude! But, but that that's just that person, right? And then years later, I'm working for this like billionaire, literally like one of the richest people on earth, and uh, you know, trying to like start a film production company for her. We're all working with like, I think six, six other people. And so we're in this, you know, woman's mansion in Beverly Hills, huge. I mean, acres and acres in Beverly Hills, which is, it says a lot. And so there's the main house and then there's a, there's the uh, living quarters for the, uh, you know, the people that work on site, they live there 24 seven. So there's like a 4,000 square foot house in the back, you know, in the back. Really? Uh, you know, just for, a 4,000 yeah. square foot house in the back. Yeah. That, that's like literally like a seven bedroom house for like, for like the maid, the chef, the help. The, yes. I mean, I don't want to say that, but you know, yeah, that, that's what it is. Sure. I mean, I, I think they have more dignity than that, you know, like, then I think they do more than that. Like whatever honestly, way you people, want to church it up, you go for that. I'll church. <laughs> this fucking place is a compound, man. So yeah. if you're working there, okay. it's work, man. It's probably a compound <laughs> in the wrong sense. I mean, armed guards, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but this isn't a place where it screams I should want to live. This is almost right up there with the Chinese sweat factory workers. Well, they had, you know, they employed Israeli guard. Yeah. uh, It was some serious shit, bro. Like these people were seriously wealthy. So some, you know, big time family, but anyhow, so then they had like a little like guest casita house, which is probably like 3000 square feet, you know, and uh, that one's next to this private pool. And uh, so I'm back there, you know, taking notes for this meeting, you know, because I'm I'm one of the lower end folks on this team. And out comes Christian Slater, just like out of this, out of this casita, like drunk, like totally messed up, like just bombed out of his brain. And he's just like picks up like it looks like the paper because I guess they delivered the paper there. And, uh, you know, just is like, hey, man, it goes back in. And I'm sitting here going like. Why do I keep running into Christian? And then I've ran into him many other times. And I'm just like, there's just that. So anyhow, I don't know how we got in this topic, but, but like, yeah, like you, you don't even recognize him. Like, like well, my buddy Taylor didn't even recognize him. It, it was the whole thing you're talking about. You want more of a disconnect from your celebrities and you don't want to know you, that they sunburnt their asshole and, and a lot of other <laughs> factors that go into what makes them actually human and not a, this, this larger in life character. I mean, we all know from the 80s and early 90s, Christian Slater was a wild kid or wild guy, you know, whatever. You know, you don't expect much from him. But it's just weird to see him also, like, age and, you know, whatnot. I don't know how what, what tangent we're on here. But but in terms of, like, the industry, you know, like, 
Well, hold on. My goal Go, was always well, going to back a to movie. going back to your childhood. I'm kind of more interested about that. So you you were basically kind of raised faux inside of a inside of the the early theater industry, which with theaters were a different thing back when we grew up compared to what they are now. Now they are, they're all like it's it's a weird disconnect from what they were when we were kids, and uh, so you you grew up in that industry. You kind of kind of had a a thing that made you want to get into it more. When did you really take the first steps of actually trying to get more into the actor and acting or theater side of what it is or filmmaking in general? Like what at what age? Like was it early high school, eighth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade? So. Uh, my my parents lost the business and, you know, from a series of, you know, things, my, my stepdad had a gambling problem, uh, you know, or has it, you know, recovering. Uh, and so we, they lost the business, uh, barely kept, you know, where we were living. But, um, so at age 13, so it was like seventh grade, lost the business. So I stopped watching movies in that sort of fashion, you know, you know, on the big screen all the time. And, uh, at that point, and I really missed it. I really missed watching movies. And that's, uh, when I started literally buying a bunch of tapes, like VHS tapes, um, whatever movies I could find, renting them, going to like a little, you know, Asian video store on Mac road and trying to rent whatever you can get at the 99 cent level. So it included a lot of like. That's really when I started watching a lot of kung fu movies. Hell that's, yeah! I watched all Elvis movies. I mean, dude, I was non-discriminatory. French movies. I, I the ladies just started giving me like free rentals. They'd be like, "Oh, here, you take this, take this, take this." I mean, it was. I loved that video story. Did, did you ever see him? Right. Hold on. Did you ever see a movie called Invincible Armor? It was one of those Chinese kung fu movies. Maybe I don't know uh, by, uh, by which director, dude. Like I don't know. Armor. Yeah, that, it, it was one of the, like the the Wu Tang series ones before they became the Wu Tang series. There's that one. Huh. Invincible Armor. Watched... Invincible Armor was my favorite, and then there was another one that was like right is like a, it was like a, a tie almost called Dragon Claws. That one's Dragon Claws is a shit. Yeah, I mean, I I, I watched so many of those pictures in, you know, just over and over and over again. I mean, and, and I would do it like, cause they give you like the three day rental for $1, you know, for three days, you know, so you have to watch it right away. And like, you know, we didn't have money or anything. Like we were very, very teetering. And so like, I was not getting a late fee or anything like that. So. But are you preaching the, the choir? I used to sleep on that- I used to sleep on a cot in the middle of the living room when I lived with my dad in South Sac. So my dad slept in the bedroom in, in his room, and then I slept in the living room in this fucking shitty cot, like, for years. Which, uh, where did you live in South Sac? Uh, right there off of 66th Ave, right next to the Del Taco, on the, on south of the, the road on the other side of Florin. So you had the mall, then you had Florin Road, and then if you went south another street, it was 66 Ave, and it, it shot straight across to Tower Mart on Stockton. But the, it was right next yeah, to the, it was, was right next to those shitty mattress centers. There was like nothing but a, yeah. a row of shitty apartment complexes that were just fucking gated yeah. in. The DMV is like around the corner, I yes. think, right? Yes, it is. 
Yeah. I would walk from my house, uh, Valley High Drive and Center Parkway, all the way down Center Parkway. Then I'd go through this weird, like, storm tunnel, and I'd end up at the park, like, next to the DMV. And I'd walk through there to go to Tower. Yeah, because Tower was right there. You're talking yeah, about Tower Records, go, right? We I'll go for Tower Video. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like Tower and Tower Records too. Because yeah, and Tower Books later on. Yeah, when I was in high school, I'd take a bicycle down, but like uh, to go to Tower Books. But yeah, I know exactly where. Yeah, I know exactly where you grew up. It was rough there, man. That was rough, actually. That was that probably that was actually probably rougher than where I lived. Oh no shit! Yeah, because you had more of a concentration of apartments, and then you had oh, the yeah. mall right there. There was just a lot of activity going on. I remember the first time rain had crashed. Up, like I was at my dad's house, had to go back uh, after I'd have fallen out with one of my exes, and I needed to get my shit together. So I went, I went and crashed at my dad's house for like a couple months. And I, at that point, me and Rainer already knew each other. Then we started dating. Then she came over one night and uh you know, crash at the house. Um, we slept on the couch because I didn't have a room. I was sleeping on the couch at my dad's. And then Sona broke into her fucking Bronco like the first night she spent over. Uh, yeah, I think they smashed out a window and took a radio or some shit. I forgot what they did. I was like, my bad. <laughs> you know, that Bronco aesthetically was awesome, but she had some trouble with that. I remember that Bronco, like, gave her some fits. Uh, yeah, it had an issue with the... Uh, the ignition coil would it overheat and then the engine then the vehicle would just clip out. You, I I think I ended up gluing up. Uh, I I, f- I figured out it was overheating, and I think I I ended up um, of uh, using a heat epoxy and I took the back of a brake pad, and I glued it to the ignition coil, and it was able to suck the heat off the ignition coil, so you wouldn't have an ignition coil failure anymore. At the time, I didn't really have the money to buy parts. I was like fucking. I did some research. I'm like, yeah, this thing's overheating. Well, we, Tried that, fucking boom, it worked. No, oh, man, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, that's just like creativity on like, you know, just practical level. You know, you have to get it done. Plus, like, it's the challenge of it. You know, you solve that puzzle. That's cool. But dude, I mean, but yeah, that was a rough part of town, you know? So I would walk there. Uh, Lived in South Sac, right there. Uh, watched tons and tons and tons of videos, you know, at the video store. Seventh grade, uh, I think. Yeah, no, that's when I'm. Yeah, that's when I met your wife. And then um, went to high school and didn't think much of it. You know, I just thought, you know, whatever. I remember and then her. I met somebody. I remember her telling me that you forced her to get into theater. I forced her. I don't think it was. <laughs> I just she says it a different I just, way. I just told her like this is where I'm hanging out and like these are cool people. Maybe you want to go hang out with them too. And like she was kind of uh she didn't go to to Valley the first year, uh freshman year. She went to a different high she went to um and I'll grow Laguna I think. Creek High She went to Laguna Creek High School. Okay. And uh, and then after freshman year at Laguna Creek High School, she then went to Valley. Yeah, she said there was so, hella, she said there was hella white bitches out there giving her shit at Laguna Creek. Yeah, I mean, back then that yeah, was I would, I would imagine. So, yeah, yeah. If, if you remember back then, that was like the nice area. 
it's not that anymore. But back then, like that was all new development. New development oh, yeah. new school, is before Half a million dollar yeah, homes. It, it was Never before heard of that. Yeah, it was before Elk Grove even got developed at all. And before it got connected, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember we used to, you know, shoot fireworks down in the the, the farm fields, you know, <laughs> south of south of Kasumas, and sometimes that shit would light on fire, and we'd just be like, we peace. peace. And then, you know, I, I'm sure it would <laughs> extinguish. I don't know. Hopefully, we it'll burn itself it out. Leave it alone. You know, it, it smelled like cow shit, you know, it just, oh, yeah. uh, all that, you know, uh, I liked it. It was cool as a kid. Cause it was like this thing you could go with. If, if you had a friend that had a car, you just drive down somewhere over there, get lost. And then, uh, you know, get in trouble and whatnot, but you know, but yeah, yeah. So, so, so I didn't force her to go into theater, but like I, I suggested like, you know, these are cool people and whatnot. She, she made a lot of friends there, you know? So I, I think getting into like friend circles that involve activities is always a positive thing. Cause at least you do stuff, you know, Yes. you know, just there's like, you know, you could paint a set or you could make a costume or you could, act in the play or help direct or, you know, sell tickets or do the lighting or see, I regret, that's what I liked about it. Yeah. I regret not doing a lot of that. I, most of my time was just spent doing atrocious shit. Like I, I never got to enjoy that part of my life. The high school era. Like, you I know, when you're going through some shit, you know, I threw myself into high school because my relationship with my stepdad just disintegrated uh, at the end of middle school. And so what I did, and literally this is probably why I even got into theater in high school, because I like I didn't give a shit about theater. It was just like whatever, you know. It, it you know, I grew to love it a lot. Uh, it, it's because I just wanted something to do after school. So like I, I was on the football team. As soon as that ended, I went right to wrestling, and then I did wrestling, and then I did track, and I did rugby, and then I theater, choir, you know, anything, future teachers of America, blah, blah. I started a club, whatever, anything that I could do to not go home, you know, or go home as late as possible. So I just like, uh, oh, I got to study, go to sleep, you know. You know, I didn't have the situation that you had where you had like, you know, you had a homeless situation and that's, that's, that's terrifying for a child and you were a kid at that point, you know. So, like, I understand you didn't have those luxuries. I, I had, like, a falling out with my dad. It's not the same as being homeless, you know. Yeah, it, it it's always a hard thing. I was never technically homeless. I was just in a fucked up spot. It was fucking bad. You, like, it was bad. A lot of it was just the, the whole, our, my, our, our home life fucking just fell the fuck apart once my dad got booted out. And then, I don't know. There's a lot of areas where I don't have privy information to that happened between my mom and my dad, but it was fucked. Like, it was bad, bad. Yeah, so so I just threw myself, you know, kind of the opposite. You know, you probably weren't, you couldn't do that, or you, you just didn't do that. No, I was basically uh, doing but, a ton of drugs. You know, I just, I just, I just didn't want to do that. Like, that was another option. And in middle school, I did that. Like, uh, you know, you know, I, I did that in middle school. I, I experimented in middle school. But in high school, I was, like, super, like, straight-laced. 
you know, like not, I'm not doing that. I'm not touching alcohol. I'm not even going to be, you know, in a relationship, nothing, you know, I was just like, it was fucked up, you know, like I, I just didn't want to like end up like my mom, you know, like 18 or 19 and pregnant, you know what I mean? Like I just didn't want to like, just didn't want that. And a lot of guys around me, you know, in ninth grade, you know, I had a couple of friends in ninth grade, you know, became dads. Oh yeah. Fuck. I know a ton of people. <laughs> just ton of, ton of, ton of girls became moms, ton of guys became dads and I never saw them again. Oh, not that, but they never, I don't know any of them that worked out. <sighs> you know, I, <laughs> it's just, it just sucks, you know, you know, cause you just see potential and then all of a sudden it's just like the harsh, realities of life hit you at a time you're just not prepared for you know well not that too but that, so, when you're older you realize that you only have so much available time in your life to do things so when you have kids at a young age you're you're not aware of what the time allocation means so a lot of times you end up allocating your time toward the kid or whatever or squandering it or whatever you're doing and it's not until way later that you realize all the mismanagement of time Time is one of the few things that is the only thing I should say you can never get back. It's it's lost forever. That was part of that DNT trip, bro. Oh, um, really? We're gonna use this, yes, <laughs> bro. It, you know, when I was looking at my son, I was looking at like everything that led up to him being in front of my face. It was almost like a trip down memory lane in like an instant. You know, like every decision I ever made. And the one thing, I didn't want to share it at first, but I'm going to just share it. The one thing that I told myself when I saw my son's face was, you put yourself here. So I told that to myself. You put yourself in this room, in this, you know, on this planet, you could be anywhere in the world. You're in this room now because you chose to be here. You chose to do this DMT. You chose to do everything in your life was a choice. And this boy is your choice. And you owe him that. You know, that it was my choice. It's not his choice that he was born. It's not his fault. You know, so I got no fucking excuses. Yeah, that's, For, you know, that's, I got none. Well, that's a really interesting, interesting way to look at that too. I don't think a lot of people really take that in and what that means. It, it's just, it, it's, it's the whole idea of being born into any country. You don't have a choice to a degree in how to, how to operate. You're forced into the constraint of the country and it, it works similar when you're, when you're born into the world, you don't really have an option. You're forced to contend with whatever you're born into. But you, you, but you hope that what you're born into, the people that birthed you into it, will at least have the common courtesy to help you get on the right fucking track. For sure. I mean, it, it, it wasn't like I was even judging as choices, like, oh, me being in this DMT trip right now is, how dare you? You should no, be I, with no, your I didn't, son right I didn't, now. It I wasn't didn't, that. No, I didn't take no, it, it like that. It was more the, the revelation that the fact that I am having this trip at this moment is all due to the series of choices I have made since I was born. Like 
everything has led up to this moment. Just like everything has led up to the birth and now life of my son. Did did you ever have? I don't know if you 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 entertained this idea when you when you were when you were on the DMT trip. Was starting to visualize what outcomes, what potential outcomes would have been making other decisions. Cause I got that when I was on a, when I was deep on the DMT trip, I saw potentiality of different outcomes of different decisions that made leading to different um, outcomes. Like I saw a, a litany of different ones. Like if I, like you, you know, you're at now by the decisions you made, but did you ever entertain the idea of what would have happened if you made X decision instead of this decision? No, that did not happen to me while on DMT. Yeah, that that. Uh, but that that that's fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it's weird like though you had too. Like a, like you, you you had like a uh, like a, oh my god, what's that Christmas movie? I don't know. Oh my god! Every time a bell rings, an a angel wonderful gets life. their wings. Yeah, so you had a wonderful life moment in yeah, the middle but, of the DMT but it, trip. But, yeah, but it wasn't. It didn't happen in a in a single decision. It was multiple different decisions on, on the on the potential outcome of where they would have went headed down X track and making X decision. So I so I, I'm going to use another visual metaphor, another film. So in the Matrix, when they're in the the architect's room and he has all the video screens, yes, it was like that. Yes, but 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 it it wasn't watching him. It was actually living him. I got to relive what the potential outcome would have been an X factor decision simultaneously. Yes. Wild. Yeah, Wild. It, it was. Cause I, it, I, I like, you gotta remember too, like people are listening. They think we're crazy. This is what your mind's presenting you. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's false. It just is. This is what you're presented in that environment. You can either, either try to understand what's being said to you or just, disregard it as crazy talk or believe it a hundred percent and be crazy fuck. But these are, this is, it's what your mind's presenting to you is all it is. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, it's, I, I would explain it like this. It's a, without in, using this in any derogatory tor- terms whatsoever. It's like a game genie for your dreams. Yes, big time. That is a you know. That's a, <laughs> you get the you get to see the creative party side of your brain you don't have access to. That's what you operate it's just in. Like all open source. Yes. You know, here's gonna game genie. I'm gonna just open it all up. You get to experience it all at once, but it's like a lifetime worth of dreams in like those eleven, twelve, eight minutes, and. You know, I don't advocate for being in there all the time. No, I feel like yeah, that's bad news. That guys. would be that would be like here's another movie, like another Christopher Nolan movie, like um, like uh, Inception. Yeah, you know, like you see those people are addicted to their dreams and they're just constantly in it. You know, well, at, at the end of the day, you got to realize it's not reality. So you living that, you're you're disregarding the reality of the real world that has real consequences. And you know what's interesting, like because of that trip. It has changed my relationship with every illicit substance or anything since then. Oh, really? Yes. It's, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's almost like the matrix, bro. It's like, it's like the scene. <laughs> it's like the scene where, uh, Joe Pentoliano, I forgot his character's name. It's like, you know, 
he's trader, you know, he's a trader and he's meeting with agent Smith and he's cutting open the steak. And he's like, you know, I know this doesn't, this is not real, you know, but, but ignorance is bliss or whatever, you know, it's like how it's, it tastes or whatever. The DMT trip changed my interpretation of like, like weed. Let's use that one. And I'll just quickly go, it's an illusion. It's an herb. It's an illusion. It's not real. What you feel is not real. You cannot be, to be addicted to it is to be a fool because it's an illusion. Well, I, it's I, the same thing with alcohol. It's fun. See, I, it's I have fun, a, I have a, now I could, I could never be dependent on it. I ever yeah. like now because of the DMT trip, I could actually see where they're talking about how, you know, some people talk about in psychedelics where it treats addiction. Oh, big time. Cause it fucks up your thinking. It, 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 it doesn't fuck up my thinking. I look at alcohol. I can see a gigantic thing. Whereas I saw it before as like, Oh man, I need that to unwind. Now I look at it as this is something you can use to unwind. Yes. It, 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 it's this, way different. It's like, a yeah. par- I see the other side of it. I can't get addicted to this now. It's just like this cool luxury. The same thing with a hamburger or a ca- sniffing a candle. I have a candle here right now or anything <laughs> that you enjoy or don't enjoy. Like even like if you have like back pain, you're just like, well, it's just pain. It's it's. I don't understand. I don't understand exactly how to describe it or quantify it. It's complicated. It changed my relationship yeah. with with a lot of things, you know, and it's made my relationship with like illicit things actually more enjoyable. <laughs> See, you know? I, I, I I look the at occasional the occasional joint is enjoyable because. I enjoy the illusion. Oh, isn't this cute? Isn't this funny? I'm fucking high. Right? And it's just, you know, I don't go like, oh, yeah, I need this. Oh, God. No, you, you're supposed to use no, it. No, for me, it's like, look at this. I'm fucking high. This is cool. You yeah. know, it's, it's not like a, I need I need my relationship. Yeah, I need this to unwind because there's no way I can do it on my own. It's like, no, 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 you're, 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 you're understanding it. You're misusing what it's supposed to be used for. Like to me, the whole idea of getting high is to help loosen your mind to expand on ideas. Like to me, getting high is a good way for me to really delve into the more creative side of the way I look at things. I don't use it as a tool to unwind. I use it more as a tool to really expand on fucking things in a different manner. Because it, 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 it changes your angling on how you're viewing something. And to me, I, I use it as a way to get a different point of view on how to look at something creatively. Like I, I don't use anything done wine other than maybe alcohol, but even then that might get only done once a week. I try to like everything I do now is condensed down to one day a week between eight till like midnight. And that's the time that we do the Friday show. Other than that, I'm fucking sober a hundred percent all the other times. You know, I, I, I've even taken this to the extreme, you know, and I, I've lost a little bit of weight doing it, you know, not much because I'm not on a diet, but I will like, eat nothing all day. I'll just drink water or drink tea, you know, and, and I'll just make a really great meal at the, like just a dinner. And then maybe, you know, once every four weeks or two, three weeks, I'll like go out in the back 
and, and get a joint, you know, or whatever, or a drink. And it's all just luxury to me. It's just like, oh, that's great. Like, I don't, like, it's just so fascinating. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I still think it's a gift, you know. Well, a lot of it, it sounds like your perspective. It's a gift you gave me, man. It's a yeah. gift you gave me. And it's, it, I, I, man. It's, it's, well, I love it, too. It, it what, what those things do, any type of psychedelic trip, it breaks the framing of how you're viewing something. So you get a totally different view of how you've been using something and understanding of why you're using it as an incorrect manner. You instead of using it as something to help to help to help do something as an ex, ex, extracurricular activity, you're using it as a crutch. And that's where I think people run the problems when they're using substances. They, it ends up being a crutch mechanism instead of something to use to kind of have fun in the process. You're 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 using something that should be used sparingly and then you're making it an abusive tool that gets used all the time to justify whatever to yourself. Hmm. Yeah. I have no problem if I never run across DMT ever again for the rest of my life. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm uh, would ever avoid it. You know, if, if it got offered to me again in some sort of, you know, clandestine fashion, you know, cool. Well, you had, you got lucky. You, you had know? the perfect setup because it was just me and you in a studio with no, no outside influences. And that oh, was you like, had like the dark curtains yeah. and you had lighting and music. And you know, I remember, I remember when you came out of it, you're like, I feel like a flower. The sun's hitting me in the face and I'm growing. I to the said that. Yeah. And you said, I'm growing to the sky. I was like, yeah, you are motherfucker. That's when I was getting reborn. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, not just that. I mean, I the first thing I remember t telling you is this world is fucking weird. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I vaguely, I was more hung up on the your initial response of I feel like a flower. And this lights is watering me or something like that. I was like, yeah. Oh, wow. This is awesome. Yeah, because there was a, like a light. You had like an overhead light. Yeah, it was directly on you. And you're like, it's just, it's making me grow. I was like, okay. <laughs> you're just like, all right, he's there. Yeah. Well, you weren't even talking. You were you were out for a solid eight minutes. And then kind of you, you opened your eyes and you're like, how long does this last? I was like, long enough. Just close your eyes. Chill. You, you like every like couple minutes you would open your eyes like how long does this last? It's like your buddy, you're. It's, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is uh, one of the last images I remember seeing before everything kind of came together was, and you know I I think in movies this is this is me. Was uh, have you ever seen House of a Thousand Corpses? Oh yeah! Hell yeah! And so, you know, the movie poster, you know, with just like the, the lead clown, you know, sort of just like gr mega grinning, you know, into the camera. Yeah. Well, dude, like you were like so happy about like, you know, ex you successfully, you know, administered this. So you had a grin from ear to ear. But my vision wasn't like back. So shit was like moving. warped. Like, yeah. Shit's fun, still you know, moving. Like Funhouse fun mirror. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and, and so you, you were smiling at me cause you were, you know, I could tell you were, uh, I wasn't scared or anything. I, I could tell that it was you, 
but I could also tell that I I can't really see correctly right now. No, because so er, 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 everything's just crawling. Like you open your eyes and the, everything's moving along this path. It's like my eyes were learning to to see again or something. It, yeah. it was like coming all back in, and so you were you had like a like a vaporizer pen, and you had took like a hit of it, and you like emanated this like enormous what i thought was this enormous cloud and it you recreated the house of a thousand corpses poster because <laughs> because my vision had your face like your smile was like really large you know it was just weird and i was like whoa that's so weird yeah i, I was just I, I wasn't scared or anything though it was just sort of like I was just smiling because I, I, once you've been on the other side of what somebody's trying to explain to you about it, and then you see, you see somebody for the first time to go through it, you just laugh because you know, it's like their mind's been fucking just like twisted up in the most weird sense. This is the first time I've ever articulated anything about that experience other than in the park, in the driveway of your house, momentarily trying to, you know, Soften the blow with your wife. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, just, you know that, that was the only time I explained anything. You know, so so this has been cool. But dude, like, yeah, so like, yeah, I, back to the story, you know, we're just going to do this DMT storytelling nonlinear here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just was involved in everything in school, you know, because I just didn't want to go home, you know, because it was going to be a fight or it was going to be like, some cold war shit like he's not talking so i'm not talking and it's just some bullshit you know so i'd just rather be at school well that's uh, I, it, I think that's something you learn at a young age is like when you have a an uncomfortable home life you do what you can not to be there like that was the main reason i was out doing drugs just for the fact that i didn't have to be home dealing with the the shit going on with my stepdad after my my dad got booted out or whatever the fuck i was just like fuck this it was a reason you know, I, tr- I tried that I just had like a, a, you know, a little rude awakening, you know, like a little rest, you know, little Jew, you know, threatened of juvie, you know, going on, you know, like just ending up on the wrong side of stuff, you know, and I, I, I just was like, you know, I don't want my life to be like that. And I'm not making a judgment on you that, that that's where you went. Everybody goes where they need to cope. You know, oh, I, I don't get it. people can judge me no, all day no, long. No. I don't. No, that no, shit I don't, don't I'm me. just telling you, I, I'm not. And I know I'm just I'm just being for your audience sake, you know. But like, I don't give a <clears> fuck about I, my audience. I know you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just dove myself into whatever I thought was safe at the moment. And mind you, bro, I hated school, bro. I hated it. But like, I would do anything like. Whether it was like a school sanctioned activity or if it was like boxing, you know, behind the the weight room, you know, like you know, any activity, whether it was literally boxing or weightlifting or being in a play or whatever, whatever, man. Something I, I to occupy time. Literally, I hated being at home, you know. Uh, I even signed up for an extra period of class. You know, that had zero period. So you could sign up for classes that started before school. I signed up for that. You know what I mean? Just so I would, like, have, like, I am I am I am going to continuation for high school. I did one year at – I did almost a year at 
as a freshman. And then I ended up moving out to South Sac with my dad. And then, then it was just like continuation school from then on out. So I didn't have any of that other shit. Was it which, which continuation school? Uh, it, it was a Sheridan independent school of study. Okay. It was a shithole place. Well, I just know I, I lived across from Rio and so often I, one time I went to Rio and then asked the principal, like I was just hated. I was like sophomore year, you know, I went to the principal and asked him, you know, is there a way I could like just graduate faster if I came here? You know, I just was, I thought about going in the army, all kinds of shit, you know, like just get me out of this place. You know, um, I hated it, you know? And, and so whatever, you know, so I get it, man. You know, however you complete your education is however you complete your education, you know, what well, the Whether thing is GED or whatever. It, and education doesn't mean anything, you know, it just, unless it, unless it's, physically required for you to go get into some other program or whatever that you need or a, a license or whatnot. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't really take school serious until I started going to a community college and I was paying I still for didn't it. take school serious, even though I was in school all day. Oh, day. see, I, I took, I got a 2.8 something. And I think I got that because the teachers liked me. I mean, I didn't do any work, any homework, I didn't take tests. Oh, bro, it was bad. Like, Valley was like, I played football, so all the principals liked me because I did that, and I was mildly okay, you know, and I was liked. You know, I, I had, like, personality or whatnot, you know, and I would do, like, the morning announcements and shit, you know, being, like, student government for no, for no fucking reason, you know. And I didn't do anything. School's a joke, man. Like, my high school experience was so such a joke, you know, so you didn't miss out. On shit, the only thing maybe you missed out on was the social stuff, you know. Like, oh, I was doing, I, I had I a was doing, uh, I was doing plenty of social shit. That, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, th- it was all outside school. of school. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're all human. You're you're going to be social, whether it be at school or somewhere else. You know. Yeah, I, I, but, but I didn't. Yeah, re- you just missed that school social thing. That was it. Well, I got plenty of that when I went to Job Corps. I mean, you're living in a dorm with tons of other motherfuckers. Well, that's college. Job court is college. Yeah, but there's I, a lot I, more fighting at, do- I at job court. I understand. Job court is a uh, job court is a, is a great thing. I mean, I know like your experience with it is mixed or whatnot, but like, yeah, tell me about your experience with job court. Like, I mean, how did you like, like, how do you stumble upon job court? Uh, that was my mom. My mom's like, hey, you should look into this. It's free education. Like at the time, I was kind of like a. I don't want to say mechanic. I was more like a like a somebody who thought they knew how to work on cars, but that was not at, at all. And so um, my mom was making a push, like, "Oh, you should do this. They have a heavy equipment program, this and that." And I was like, "Okay, I guess whatever." And like, yeah, you can live there and all this stuff, and that's what I ended up doing and uh, enrolled in it and got into it right right when I got out of high school. Wow. I mean, so, man, high, coming out of high school was rough for me, like like everybody. Hello? You got clipped? Oh, man. Oh, you got clipped for a second, man. You hear me, A-Rod? 
You hear? Yeah. I hear myself now. I don't know why. I don't know. You lost connection for a sec. Damn it. You're going to have to edit now. Nope. This thing does not get edited, actually. This uh, this fucking shit rolls just like this. Sorry, man. <laughs> there is zero editing happening on my podcast. Okay. So. Yeah, but the job the job core thing was weird. Um, I've talked about it a lot on the show. I don't want to. I kind of done really a big fan of rehashing it. It was no. There was no, pros. And, there there yeah. was pros and cons to it. A lot of it. A lot of what job core taught me more than anything is is there's a lot of people you're competing with that are fucking morons. And if you work hard, it's easy to out-compete them. That's the biggest takeaway I took from Job Corps, hands down. You know what? That's that's the biggest takeaway you get from college. That's the biggest takeaway you get from going into an apprenticeship program somewhere. I mean, dude, like, that's there's a, a lot good of, takeaway. There's a lot that's of... A good, that's a solid takeaway. It was. It told, it told me there's a lot of mediocre motherfuckers who who act like they know, but in the reality they don't, and they're not willing to put the effort in. If you can put all that information together and point those people out, you can just fucking run circles around those motherfuckers and make them look stupid in front of important people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my industry as well. I mean, I have a lot of colleagues of mine. I mean, they they can't get work. <laughs> you know oh really? I mean? they just At can't all? Get on to, they can't get work, or they're sporadically on a show here or there. Uh, you know, they or they're just like on one movie. You know, they're they're shooting one movie. They're like say cinematographer. They're shooting one movie, and then they, they don't work again. You know, it's and then I have other friends that are, they just eat everything up. You know, so to to, to the abilities. You you, you got to know where you are at, in in that sort of pecking order in that game, you know. Like, if you know that you're top dog and you can eat all these guys for lunch, then that's a good revelation to have. But sometimes it's good to know then, and maybe you're not the top dog. But it doesn't mean that you're like, you know, what the, the, the big thing that all I'm, the way at the bottom. But the, it's sometimes it's good to get in those situations where you like feel competition or yes, you feel yes, I agree, hundred percent. You feel all of that, you know. The, the, um, the thing I've learned is, and probably like the biggest, the the biggest thing I've learned the last six years is I really don't give a shit about being the guy that's on top. This I've worked my way up to kind of the food chain to get to a position that's kind of like that. And once you get to the top, there's nothing impressive up there. It, all all it is is status for somebody else to recognize you, and I find that 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 doesn't serve me any good other than constantly being stuck in a cycle of me trying to appease somebody by keeping the status so they think that I'm important. I, I just, the older I get, the more I just like, I'm not impressed. I don't, the whole title of something I find to be a fucking joke. It's just, I don't want, I don't want that because it's what someone's opinion of you is. So now you're mm-hmm. stuck in a cycle trying to appease somebody else about why you're so important and how can you're not doing as good as you should because you have this title. Cause it, it doesn't leave room for you to be who you are. It, it, it can find you to be what they want you to be. You know, it's, it's interesting because you bring up two things that is sort of a similarity to my industry, my industry. I don't feel that sort of hierarchy thing. You know, I have friends that are way more successful than I am, you know, that are, you know, making Marvel movies and, you know, we were all doing the, the, 
the shit together, holding sandbags together in the beginning, right? And I have other friends that are, you know, not doing great, you know, still struggling, you know, but uh, we don't have that hierarchy because it's, it's that my industry is more like, what have you done lately? You know, it's all about that. What have you done lately? But at the same time, you know, it is one of those things that what you're saying about expectations, you know, where people expect of you based on your previous project, you know, and you're trying to always break out of that. Yes. So, so, so there's a little bit, there's a little bit like, you know, of similarities going on here, except for we don't have titles really, you know? Well, the thing uh, is, I, I'm, I, I'm a producer. Yes. I'm a producer, but like, I don't have a boss. And if I do have a boss it's temporary and then I move on to this thing and then I move on to this thing, you know what I mean? Well, you, Whereas you have like some sort of structure, like you have like a team and leadership and executives and, you know, that's, that's a little tiny bit different, but sort of like a lot but, of similarity. But even then I, I get this from my wife. My wife has a notion like she's like, you're just a good mechanic. This and that. I, I hate, I had this thing about me when I, as soon as somebody starts saying that I'm a good mechanic, I automatically think I'm a shitty one. Cause I don't like when people fucking do that. Like I, I got this thing about it. When you start doing that about me, anytime somebody starts to talk me up, I don't fucking like it. I I don't like that. Like, I I don't mind doing it to myself, but when I get it from an outside influence, I don't like it because I always find like they, that it's not a right call. Like anytime I would hear a manager say that, like, well, you're just good. It's like, don't fucking do that. Like, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not a big fan of people throwing praise. Like I don't ever really hand praise out to anybody. And when I do, it usually goes a long fucking way because it's something something I dish out on a regular basis. I, I don't know what it is. There's something about it where as soon as I hear it, I, I automatically have an imposter syndrome. Like, I'm not that good. I don't know why they're saying that. Well, imposter syndrome, you know, there. I believe that there are there's a good side to it and there's a bad side to it. Just like anything, a yin and a yang. Imposter syndrome, as we are defining it today, is feeling like you're less than because of whatever circumstance you have in your mind, right? But sometimes it's okay to feel like you got you got to do better, you know? Or am I a fraud? Like, you got to ask yourself those questions sometimes, man. You know, no matter what you do, you know? Because things change. Yeah, but I, I only ever really get like that when I hear somebody throw praise at me. The moment I hear somebody give me, yeah. like, a piece of praise or attaboy, I'm, I automatically start questioning myself. It's like, yeah. uh, I don't fucking like that. I don't, know. I don't think they know what they're talking about. Like, I do fine as long as I don't get fucking attaboys. So the moment I get, like, an attaboy, I'm like, I automatically start fucking criticizing the attaboy given to me by the person. It usually turns like this. Hey, good job with that. It's like, don't fucking do that. I'm just doing my job. You don't got to fucking do that. Yeah, and plus, like, you know, two hours later, you could fuck some shit up. Yes. Yes, 100%. And cost the company, like, a fucking, like, <laughs> 10 Gs, right? There's always there's always something like that that lurks in the background. Yeah, it's that, that kind of insecurity you need. You know, that's the kind of insecurity you need, like, if you work on a production line so you don't get your hand chopped off. Yes, it's that self-critical you know, awareness of, of you being an idiot and so be aware of it. 
that's that kind of insecurity you need to not Alec Baldwin some motherfucking cinematographer. <laughs> that motherfucking murderer. Everybody in Hollywood is calling him a murderer. Everybody in Hollywood. How dare you? The media says it was an fuck, accident, you son of a bitch. That motherfucker. Every actor, every director, every DP. Oh, really? They all think he is a fucking piece of shit. How come those people don't mother- come on TV and release a statement? They're all fucking pussies, man. Just like, I mean, dude, like even me and the camera's not on. I'm kind of a fucking hypocrite, right? Kind of a fucking <laughs> pussy, right? I mean, yeah. Dude, we're all one movie away from being homeless. And we see those motherfucking people on the street all over L.A. As they do in Sacramento now, too, yes. Oh, yeah, they're fucking all over the place. But what I'm saying is, it's like, that shit, like, like, I would say... 80% of LA is rent insecure. Really? Pre pre COVID. I would talk about it for I for years I'd say if there was some disaster, I always thought earthquake or or if there was some shit, you know, like these motherfuckers would be gone in a second. Like and then this city would crumble because like literally all these people just left. There's no economy, you know, like to buy the sandwiches and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Blah. All the shit that matters that makes an economy. All, all, just all the shit that makes money go around and blah, 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 which I appreciate all of your monetary discussions about <laughs> modern monetary theory and the Austrian school of economics. Yeah. I'm a hardcore uh, Austrian I, guy. I have learned, I have learned a great deal, but in a bunch of my friends, you know, in Hollywood that I've given your links out to love those conversations, by the way. Really? We're in Hollywood to make money too. You know, I'm not yeah. like doing like charitable films about pandas. I mean, they <laughs> exist. They exist. You know, I'm still want to get, you know, paid and shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't work for free, but I'm a and, capitalist. And even, you're, you're, I'm, you're, course, I'm a free and, market and if capitalist. If people listen to your show, if people listen to your show, they'll understand what work is and what money is and what it means. Yeah, it's an exchange and of what, your energy. You know, it, it's a, it's another one of those paradigm shifting conversations. It's, it's good, but anyhow, um, yeah. So, so yeah, a, a lot of people are insecure. About everything. Like, I have friends, you know, working on, like, Steven Spielberg picture, you know, doing post VFX on it, you know, in the Amblin lot. They get they get to drive on to Universal, and then another lot that's inside Universal that is even more restrictive, you know, they get to just drive on there, and they get lunches paid for them, and they get paid handsome. But, like, I, next month, my buddy, you know... He's unemployed and he's literally worried because he can't, he can't get on another picture. So he might have to like go like two months without income. So he can get, he can get on a picture that can go for like another four months. Holy shit. Yeah. That's how, that's how most of the industry works, you know? So we work in this very intelligentsia slash, uh, you know, white collar. Sometimes we go on red carpets and look stupid, making stupid kissy faces at cameras and shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all stupid, right? You know, it's all it's all dumb. Because we want to like promote a film, or maybe we're trying to 
make it big or whatnot. But most, like, like literally most of the industry, that's how they're, that's how they're working. Just like, you know what I mean? So, it's, so you it's, don't wanna, it's you basically don't paycheck to paycheck at this point is what it it's sounds like. It's less than paycheck to paycheck because like my yeah. buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So when he's on this picture, he's getting paid. Okay. Pretty good. Like if you were to like, uh, say he worked the same way, you know, every day, all, you know, all year long, he'd probably make like $120,000, right? If he's working the same, but he's not working like that all year long. He'll have gaps, you know, because I think what happened, the reason why he can't get on another picture is because the Spielberg picture went long and it went long enough that the other picture he was going to go on had to already start. So he couldn't get on that team. So they had to fill his seat. And now he's not on that picture. It wasn't like a, he can't find a job, but sometimes the schedules don't align. And so, you know, he may have to, he, he, you know, he can't spend his whole monthly nut on it. You know what I mean? So sometimes he doesn't know what he's going to make. And that's just the VFX guy. There's the costume lady. There's, you know, there's, there's costumers, foremans for painters. I mean, all these guys, everyone that's in the same situation. Yeah, well, that, that's on a per-picture basis. That kind of circles back to the initial comment of, like, the whole comedians have the ability to be an individual. When you're producing movies, you you need capital backing it because you have so many components that are intertwined with producing the movie. Yeah, I mean, and the one thing that is why I wish all comedians were taking advantage of the fact that they get a microphone and they get to talk because there are thousands of people behind them that can't do that. Yes. Because if they did that, it's so easy to cancel them. There's like a long list of people behind them will fill that job in like two seconds. And so your dream is to work in this thing. You never thought politics would enter into stuff. You never thought like, dude, I grew up in the nineties. I never, I never thought about politics. I know Pete Wilson was the governor and even comedians, some, some, something the, happened. The only whatever. comedians, the only comedians I ever heard talk about politics with, uh, Bill Hicks and, um, and, um, George Carlin. Most of the time, like no other, no, but they, but they all those guys did it in a very, uh, a very, I don't want to know I don't want to use the word intelligent or intelligentsia type manner, but a, in a, in a clever manner. They did it in a way where they could bring it up and it didn't really turn off both sides of the aisle. They did it in oh, a it way artfully done. Yes, big time. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, they just didn't shove it down your throat. They did it in a very clever way. And yeah, and that's the, that was their talent for those comedians. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is most of the people that work in the industry now grew up in the 90s in a time that was, in my opinion, pretty apolitical. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure there, I'm sure people would disagree with me that were older that are older than us. You know, but like, but in reality, it was it's not like today. And so, like now, you're caught in an industry where you're just like, I don't know, like. Yeah, wrong. I don't know. Like, why are we talking about this? And like, it's it's bleeding into like work, and so like, so but they don't want to say anything because they don't want to get canceled. 
you know? It's too easy to cancel them. So I wish these comedians that actually have, like, you know, they actually get a microphone and sometimes the camera pointed at them. I wish they, like, you know, just made fun of more stuff. You know, just made fun of everything. Because then it would just kind of take the edge off. And I think culture would just be, in, in general, better off for it. Yeah, but the moment they made fun of something on, on one side or the other, it didn't matter if it's right or left, they'd be having the council mob running down their fucking door, yelling at them yeah. and calling all their sponsors or whoever the fuck's funding them in any fashion and saying, get this guy the fuck off. Both sides. I mean, if yes. you offend this side, you lose Coca-Cola. If you offend this side, you lose my pillow. If you offend this side, you lose... Whatever. If you offend this side, you use, I don't know, keto, ele, keto bio, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, whatever. It just, it's, it's, I don't know, man. Doesn't I, well, it all feel pointless? The, well, the circle back to um, the whole, <laughs> so in high school, you were starting to get into the, the um, acting thing. Not because you wanted to, it's just to buy the fill time with the home life stuff. So the, 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 did you ever evolve to start liking it in high school? Yeah, so what so what happened was so I um played football. I liked it. I only started playing football, you know, because I didn't want to be around my dad. And um uh, it was fun, you know, and I signed up for a uh a scene painting class like my second year second semester in high school and then um they didn't have a teacher for it, or I guess they didn't have like, they didn't want to actually like break out paint and stuff like that. So it turned into like an acting class. And so they brought like a teacher for it, some sub and he taught us like acting stuff. And I thought it was kind of cool. And he taught us specifically reader's theater. So it was the first time I ever, you know, thought of the concept of like, you know, sitting in front of an audience and acting, but not like walking around. You're just, reading with like, you know, music stands and whatnot. And so I thought that was cool. And so like he made us write a play and we all wrote it together. It was corny or whatnot. And then we had one performance where we invited like, I think two English classes to come watch us in the, you know, the, the theater that they had there it was a black box theater. And we, uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was cool. And so I was like, cool. But, like, I didn't think, like, oh, to do anything. And then I went right into football season. And then um, I ended up with the theater class in my second semester of sophomore year, like another acting class. I just, it got programmed. I think it was, like, beginning theater or something. And I was like, cool. And then I had, they had, like, you know, auditions for the spring musical and I was like, oh, that, that sounds fun. And then I saw, like, some, like, girl go audition, and she looked kind of cute. And then I followed her in there. And then my goal was kind of, like, to talk to her. But then, like, <laughs> I was, like, kind of, kind of like, really interested in auditioning. But I really just wanted to talk to this girl. But, like, so I ended up spitting game at her, and then it didn't go anywhere. And I was like, oh, womp, womp, womp. And then... Then I picked up the sides and I auditioned and I didn't, I did not think anything of it. And then I left. I think it was like 10 minutes. And then, uh, the, they posted the like things for, you know, who's in the play. I think like 
the following week. And then I didn't even think to look at my name at all. You know, like, oh, did I make the play? Like, I had forgotten I did that thing. And then uh, I was in the the acting class, and, like, the acting teacher was like, hey, congratulations. And I was like, about what? What happened? He's like, oh, you made the cast. And I was like, oh, shit. And I thought, like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And it was Bye Bye Birdie. Uh, I don't know what that is. It's just some fucking dopey-ass musical, right, from the (laughs) 60s about the 50s. And and I didn't even know what it was either, dude. I mean, it was like, whatever. But I'm like, oh, shit. I'm thinking, like, I'm the lead. Like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm like, like, I put all this stuff in my head, like, and I go and I look. And I look, it's like, no, that... That's not my name. That's not all the way down at the end. It's literally the last name. And it's like police officer number one. <laughs> and I was like, and all of a sudden it's like all the stress went out of my body. And I was like, cool, I'll do that. Like that's, ooh. but I like, for, I don't know, for some reason, my pompous ass thought I was the lead. And I was like worried about it for like a whole period of, of class because like I didn't see the list. I had to go outside and I didn't ask for a bathroom pass or whatnot. And so, uh, so yeah, but like, so then I did the play and that was fun and it was cool. And then there was a guy, uh, you know, he was a senior when I was a sophomore and he was the coolest dude ever, man. He did all the like tech stuff. For the theater, he did the, the sound, he did the lighting board. Uh, I mean, he just ran all the, like, everything. And uh, one day he, like, you know, go, you know, comes up to me and goes, hey, uh, can I show you something? I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, yeah, I made this uh, uh, music video for my class at CRC. I was like, oh, you're taking a class at CRC? He's like, yeah, I'm taking a video class. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so he popped in the tape, and it was literally um, the the song "Bone Thugs and Harmony Crossroads" comes on, and it's a recreation of a his version of the Crossroads music video, like if he could make it. And it's like another guy that's in the theater class; he's acting in it. He's like waking up in a dream, and he's doing all this cool stuff. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you made this? And he's like, yeah. I was like, this looks like like a real movie. He's like, yeah, like, yeah, like, that's the whole purpose of taking the class, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But my ass had literally only thinks, like, Hollywood. That's it. Like, Hollywood makes movies. And then my dad had, like, a little high, like, a video camera, like a a high-8 video camera. But, like, I only ever saw his shitty like mo- like camera work and like he never let me touch the camera. I was forbidden to touch the expensive shit, you know, it was his shit or whatnot, so I never touched it. Uh so like that was my exposure to people touching cameras was shitty. So I thought, well, the only way you make it look good is if you like have like millions of dollars and you're a movie, you know, blah blah blah. But here was this this guy, my friend doing it and i was like nah man if you could do this i could do this and so i asked him hey how do you get in this class and he was like 
oh, it already started. I already did the first week. And I was like, oh, man, dang. And so, like, I don't know what, what came over me. I asked him, like, when is it? Where is it? So he told me the room number and what time. And I had never been on the CRC campus, even though it was right across the street from um, from Valley. I had never been on the campus other than to go to the football field to play a football game. So I'd never been into the school part. I don't know what got over me, but I went there and um, I crashed the, the class. Like I was sitting in the back, you know, like. What, what, year, it. what year was this? Sophomore year. I, of, I, uh, if you had it, like, was that 98 or something? Like that? 96. Or, or 96? 1990, spring of 1998. Okay. So it, I it, crashed, I, yeah, I crashed the, the, the CRC class for three sessions. And then they kicked me out. Oh, <laughs> they, they got wise that you're not supposed to be yeah. being there? Well, yeah, they were like kind of cool. And whatnot, but then once they started breaking out the gear and shit, they were like, "Hey, you know, kid, we got this thing called like a lab fee, <laughs> and, and all these fucking ki- kids paid for it, and your ass is just here. Like, it's kind of not cool. Like, they gave me the, like the rundown, and I, w- I was actually embarrassed because I had no idea that's how college worked. Oh, you thought, thought you that- thought you just show up, bro? I know nothing. Like, I, I, I knew at this point, I knew nothing about college." I still wasn't doing homework at school. I didn't do any of the assignments, read any of the books, you know, I just did whatever interested me. And it was, I got like D and C's and I was like, whatever it takes to, that was my thing. Like I get my 2.0, whatever it takes to like, that was it. You you know what? If you had to look back on the, uh, so that video that, that he showed you, if you had to look back on it now, what, what would you, what would you say the graphic looks Graphics look like now. This thinking about what it, what it looked like back then. Well, horrific. I mean, <laughs> but what, not. was it? What is it? Was it as good as you okay, thought ter- it was? In terms, in ter- we we call those people pixel peepers. What's that? Right. These motherfuckers that just care about pixels. They go on and on and on about. Well, my red come. Oh, the pixels do this and blah blah blah. Well, my it all looks fucking amazing, guys. You know, you know what I mean. So, like, in terms of actual like pixel quality, it was garbage, right? But in terms of artistry, what was going on? The like the heart behind it, it was all there, and it was speaking to me. And so I, I just had to be a part of it. So anyhow, I got kicked out of the class, so I couldn't use the cameras and stuff like that. So I like moped, moped around, <laughs> and I literally moped around. And 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 uh, this is now like the summer. This is the summer. Actually, no, this was the summer. This was summer because I I didn't. Uh... Oh, this is the end of the year. I don't know what it, what it was right right there. Whatever. So I know I got kicked out the same day I got kicked out of this class. I accidentally walked into a theater class at CRC. And so this is something that a lot of people that I went to high school with did not know was that the first acting classes I was taking were at CRC. So I accidentally walked into an acting class and like this guy, you know, with a mustache looks at me and he's like, Oh man, like, 
are you lost or anything? And I was like, oh, no, I just, I, I was honest. I told him I got kicked out of this class. I was, I was uh, crashing it, you know? And he was like, oh, uh -huh. like laughing. He was like, no, let's call auditing a course and whatnot. And he was like much more like chill about it. And he was like, well, I have this class starting now. And here, it, it, it was an acting class. He was like, you can audit it if you want. And so he let me like sit in on this acting class. And bro, I was, I loved it, man. I was like, instantly I was hooked on like the acting bug. And so I, so I, I, I ended up taking the class. He didn't let, he didn't even actually charge me nothing. He just let me show up, uh, you know, cause you know, there's no lab fee or anything, I guess. So it's just, you know, play, you know, reading monologues and whatnot. Was, was so this, I did that. Was this after school, I take it, going on? After school, yeah, night. Okay. Yeah. Oh, was that night? Yeah. yeah, that's when Chris was, well, I said his name, but that's when my buddy was taking his class because he was still, he was finishing his senior. So this was spring, actually. This is the spring. So I'm doing the, the musical at the school. I have the one line, but I'm taking classes at CRC. Or I'm auditing this class. So uh, it's at night. It's after school. And so the play's over. And like now I'm like really going, like really getting serious about this class. And it was like the first class I ever got serious about my life. Period. It's the first one I ever like did, did the homework and whatnot. I'm not being graded. I'm not like, it's the first time. And then... From then on, I formed this bond with this man, and his name is Frank Condon, and he was the he was the artistic director of the Kasumnas River College at that time. They called it the River Stage, and so like I'm taking classes there once a semester for the rest of my high school career. Uh, I ended up taking two semesters for free. No, three semesters for free because I actually wasn't even allowed to re to enroll. So I had to raise my GPA in order to get the free tuition where the like the school, the high school pays for your college tuition across the street. But you had to have like, I think a 2.75 and above or something like that. Anyhow, I'm taking the classes. And I love it. And then I start taking the video class at Kasumas once I got my GPA up. So anyhow, it all started in high school with my buddy showing me this VHS, like Bone Thugs and Harmony, you know, fake music video, <laughs> you know. And and then immediately, dude, like, so I'm so I'm so I get this other addiction. Like, a, a, a buddy of mine in the theater class writes this script, a movie. And he and he's like, I want to make this movie. I saw what you guys are doing in your video class. Let's go make this movie. And we're like, what? Make a movie? And it's like, the script was like 100 pages long, dude. It was like, what are you talking about? Like, we never made any movie. Well, well, okay, well, what was the premise of the movie? Dude, this movie was called Rigid Methods. So some motherfucker hears this, right? Rigid fucking methods. I have this movie still. We go embark on this weird journey. This is the best part of high school. This was my favorite part of high school. It set up my whole life. So I'm taking class at CRC, the acting class. I'm doing the video class, and now we're making a movie. 
And so it's a bunch of high school kids with a VHS camera that were either stealing from Florin High School or I'm stealing it from Valley High School leadership uh, or we're stealing it from CRC. There was a person we knew that went to Florin High School that was taking the CRC class. So we had that bridge into Florin. And they, at Florin High School, they had a, like a video like department, but Valley didn't. They didn't do that. So anyhow, um, dude, like, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, my, my friend just says, let's make this movie, and we all just go all in. And, like, for the next two years, we almost shoot all the scenes in the movie. Uh, but we, we, we shoot, like, everywhere, man. Like, and it's an action movie. It's about this guy that comes home. He's, like, a spy. It's really bad, man. It's a really bad movie. It's just, like. What's, what's it called? It's, like it's called bit, Rigid what? It's called, we, it's called Rigid Methods. Rigid and Methods. And it's about this guy. He, like, he's a cop or DEA and like there's like some sting and he's like being double crossed and it's this but it's all played by high school kids bro how, how many actors oh man we had like 12 characters whoa tons of other act. I mean dude we were trying to do something epic and what we end up with now and no one's ever seen this but a few people is the shit is epic because we we wanted guns in our fucking shit. So we get these little guns and we paint them so they look like real guns. I know. What the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> and we're going all over South Sac with these fake guns. Oh, that's bad news. <laughs> and we got, yeah, and we got, and we're shooting them like, <laughs> and then we go to Isleton. So we shot in South Sacramento, CRC, Valley, Kasumas, a granary in Isleton. Oh shit! That's out uh, of the fucking levees. Of yeah, yeah, uh, uh, like uh, oh, where else? A, a little mini mart in Isleton. It's it's just cool, man. Anyhow, so we we end up doing fake squibs. We made squibs out of uh, firecrackers and putting um, chocolate. Syrup and uh, and strawberry syrup. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again. You guys made squibs yeah, yeah, so, from firecrackers, okay, so yeah. bro, and they fucking look money to this day. Oh, really? I still <laughs> haven't seen to this day. I still haven't seen shit like this, bro, dude. Like we would cut. Okay, this. So I invented this one actually. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, hold on, hold on. You have to send me this movie so me and my co-host can watch it and fucking mystery science theater it. It's it's not even comprehensible. The, the scenes don't even make sense. Doesn't matter. That, that's why we got a mystery science theater it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm all down with that. I mean, I'll ask the guy who who uh, has the final copy. I have a final copy too, but I'll ask him because he did the editing on it. But um, we'll turn it into a cult classic, <laughs> dude, bro. Like it should be. I'm not even joking. But anyhow, we <laughs> had like car chases. We had fake dolly shots, jumping off of roofs into pools, uh, saying, well, this camera's going to get fucked. We go, this is the flooring camera. Fuck it. And then we just like dump into the pool with the camera 
and like you know dry it off in some rice and then put it back in the equipment locker at Florin High School and never, <laughs> never talk about it ever again. You know, we, we did whatever it took to get the shot. You know, we ran over a camera one time in a car. Uh, so anyhow, we wanted these realistic gun effects. We didn't want to be like, beep, 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 beep. We just were just like, nah, man, we got to have it. We got to have like the gun pointed and we got to have like a quick flash cut and then we got to see like something explode and then we got to see blood and we're like fuck man how are we gonna do that we don't have graphics computer effects so i i cut open coke cans so i, t- I stretched out the aluminum from a coke can and then i took uh duct tape and i wrapped it around the edges of the coke can so it didn't it didn't cut anybody and then we would put it on someone's chest we form it onto their chest and then we take a firecracker out of like a string of firecrackers. We unravel it. We get a, we get one of them. We put a condom in front of it, duct tape it loosely, cut a little hole in whatever shirt, put the wick out of the shirt. And then we get like one of those long candle like lighter things. And so like just out of frame, whatever, we have someone's arm, lights the wick, you know, we're rolling and then removes it. And the person just is like waiting in anticipation for the firecracker to explode and then they could have the reaction to getting shot, which was honestly very fucking real. Cause you, Oh yeah. It, it was an explosion on your chest. It, it was a little explosion in your chest. And some of the shit we got was absolutely wonderful. It was like blood bursting out of someone's heart with fire and like smoke and like their reaction and like literally this thing would like make people jolt backward like they got shot so like the blood would like fly it was like and then when they would fall smoke would still be coming from their body like actual gunshot <laughs> wounds sometimes do look like I mean, dude it was like it was money dude it was some of the greatest shit ever dude it's still some of the best gun work I've seen and it was kids and so anyhow, we had a lot of fun. We did that. We made it. We showed it at this little festival, whatever we did. It was called the Tower of Youth Festival. And we met some people that would will come into the picture later. And um, we made the movie. And I was like, cool. And at the same time, I'm like kind of like doing kind of good and like the, the high school play thing. I'm like all of a sudden like I'm like the lead in the plays and I thought that was kind of weird. I never saw myself like that, but all the like acting classes I was taking at CRC were really paying off. Like I went in an audition, you know, I nailed stuff like it was confident. And so I was like feeling like, like kind of feeling the acting thing. And I'm also feeling like the video production thing. So I'm still taking CRC courses. And then, um, you know, high school is about to end and I'm like, all right, what's going to happen now? I don't know, man. So, so almost joined the army. Whoa. Almost joined the army. How close were you on that? 15 feet. Wow. Yeah. That was a wild fucking ride. And everything kind of like another story, you know, started with a girl. So I was following this girl, right, like 
you know, around, you know, campus, like, hey, how you doing? Oh, cool. You know, and I, you know, I had my lunch in my hand, and, you know, she had, like, I think a bag lunch or something she got from somewhere. And I'm trying to, like, ask her to go to the, to go to, I forgot what dance it was, some dance with me. And, uh, you know, so I'm talk, talking, and she's like, oh, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm going. She was like, oh, you're going to the library. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to the library. Yeah, I'm going to the library. Fuck yeah, yeah. Oh, you're taking the ASVAB. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking the ASVAB. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have no idea what the ASVAB is, man. I, I didn't sign up for another. She signed up for the ASVAB. So she's going to go take the ASVAB in the library. So I just join her. And then, uh, you know, I I walk up and I end up taking the ASVAB. And then I end up getting called by all the services, like, almost right away. Like, every single one of them. Like, really, really aggressive. And um, and whatnot, you know, and, and then I, you know, I'm thinking, like, I, I don't know anybody to go to college or whatnot. You know, well, like, well, everybody well, I know that went to college or had lives or whatnot. My dad, like, hold on, I got, I got a question. Failed. Yeah, what is that common for them to be that aggressive like that, or what, what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, you know, I scored an almost flawless score on the military intelligence algorithmic, you know, whatever it takes, the ASVAB. Okay, there's no actual intelligence. Uh, there's no actual intelligence section. Like you can't study it in the book for dummies, but somehow in this entire test, one of the things that they test for is for military intelligence. And so one of the things, I don't know the, the, the scales, but I scored really, really high on it. And, um, and because of that, all branches of the military wanted to recruit me for military intelligence. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And so now I'm thinking like, oh man, like some spy shit, you know, this is pre-911. <laughs> I'm a fucking weird dude, you know, I, I don't think like that far ahead. And so pre-911, you know, all like, it's still 90s, you know, everything is sunshine, rainbows, and we're all equal. It's all good, right? And so, but, but still at the same time, I'm like kind of worried, like, I'm going to get kicked out of the house. I know I'm going to get kicked out of the house. I'm only here until I graduate. I know. Um, I really don't got grades. I got a couple colleges, like, talking to me for football, but they're, like, not, like, JIT schools, and I was kind of shitting on them when I shouldn't have because they were going to offer an education. I should have really thought about it. But, like, you know, at that time, I only thought, like, it was worthwhile to play college football if you were like, you know, going to play in the NFL or play at USC. Or, and I had friends that, you know, that were older than me that went to USC and Cal and, you know, all these major schools, you know. So I just was all messed up. I didn't know what to do. So this Army thing kind of seemed kind of cool, you know. And so I ended up uh, selecting the Army. Uh, because they offered me the sweetest deal, and uh, I signed up to be an uh, a an interrogator, um, and it would involve going to linguistic school, doing all sorts of things. But the primary thing was for interrogation. 
and it, it was cool. I thought that was did, cool. Did, did they did they happen to explain it all what in being an interrogator consisted of? No. Uh, they they said I asked them if it was like the movies where you like torture people, and they said absolutely not. Come to find out, that was all bullshit. We find out about yeah. waterboarding. No, it's absolutely true. <laughs> Bro, you know how they sold it to me? They sold it to me. They said that I had good negotiating skills and that I could be able to reason with people. And Uh, once you learn their language, you can talk to them. They were just bullshitting you. you. Extract information from. They they were lying to me, obviously. Yeah. You know, whatever. But I kind of felt that. I had an uneasy feeling, and so the day of MEP, the night of the night before MEPS. They offered to like give me a hotel, so I could be right next to you know the place where I'm gonna have like the medical exam, and then I'm gonna finally sign my my uh, freedom away, right? Yeah, your life. Then, uh, well, yeah, you no longer a civilian, right? You're signing it, and so I I turned down the the offer for the hotel. I was already starting to get kind of cold feet, but I was like, ah. So the guy was like, you know, the recruiter was like, oh, cool. That's cool. I'll pick you up in the morning. Nah, and I was like, all right. I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So, And I thought about it. I was like, I'm being stupid, man. It might be a pussy. It might be a pussy. Like I was just like talking to myself in the mirror, you know, like it meant something. And then so I get picked up. I go to MEPS. I do the whole, you know, all the like, you know, really weird physical thing that they make you do in front of all the other dudes. and whatnot and then I go upstairs and then they explain the job to me and then they give me the contract and then I signed the contract and then they had to uh and then they had to swear me in that was it and then they put me in their waiting room and I'm just waiting for the judge uh to swear me in it had to be like you know whatever and so I guess something happened judge was late or backlog something but I ended up waiting for three hours when it should have been like 20 minutes. Ooh. And all that was in front of me was this TV screen that just played nothing but army ads on loop. And something about the ads just didn't, I just felt really weird. And I, 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 I can't describe it because I, I have more words today than I did back then, you know? But what I was feeling then felt uneasy. I just didn't, something didn't feel right. And so then they go, you know, okay, finally, sorry, we got it. And they were all nice about it. You know, sorry, sorry, can we get you more, more soda? Can we get you more whatever, you know? So finally we go upstairs. But then they, they throw you this curveball right before you. I thought you were just going to walk in front of the judge, put your hand up. I swear, you know. But no, they, they have one last step. You go into another room and you wait to talk to another person. This person doesn't work for the military. This person works for, I think, the federal government. It's some private civilian thing or whatever. thought you were going to say you have a, to go in a room and smoke and choke a small dog. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe that's one of the schools you we go to We want to see later. if you have know. the stones. <laughs> but, dude, so anyhow, they um, – this dude literally asks you point blank, are you, 
do you want to do this? I see you sign this paper. Are you sure you want to do this? Which I thought was odd, but I felt like it was like a, like a doic machina or something like a gift from God. I was like, wait, I can actually get out of this. And like, I literally said, no, I don't want to do this. He was like, are you sure? And I was like, no, I don't want to do this. He's like, those guys are going to be really fucking mad. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, they're going to be really fucking mad. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I could do it. I could deal with it. If I could deal with my dad, I could deal with this. So I went down there and they found out and they were fucking furious, man. What the fucking fuck? Like all like, all like, like, going crazy and then the, the the you know the guy you know i guess the guy that was in charge i don't know what his rank was but he was a another latin man like myself and he was <laughs> really adamant telling me i made a colossal fucking mistake i ruined my life you know a, a, a man like me the only way i'm going to be able to get out of this the hood is something like this and I'm throwing this shit away, and you know he was giving me the whole kitchen sink, man. And I felt horrible, man. I felt terrible, but I was like, something doesn't feel right. So I didn't join the army. That was that close, like 15 feet. That's how far away the counselor's desk was. I mean, he was in some cubicle. That's how far away it was from like the row of chairs that where the judge was. You know, that's how close. No Almost shit. joined the army. Yeah. How, how, how'd you end up getting home? They gave you a ride. The most awkward fucking car ride ever. I mean, dude, like, like braked hard in front of my house. Get the fuck out. Through, yeah, but pretty much threw my jacket at me. Like, sped off. Like, yeah, he's just mad because he didn't get the fucking incentive for getting you to sign up. I know this now. You yeah, know, they they get, they get a kickback for the yeah. more the more recruit more recruits they get in the recruiters get a kickback on it. He doesn't give a shit about the military. He just wants a goddamn paycheck. I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, yeah. I mean that's what he did. You know, and I didn't know that at the time. You know, you know what else? So this you is know, this I, is, I, this I, is so you, so high school is over now, and this is where you ended up at. No, so this was like December or November. Oh, so you're three or four months out. Senior year. Yeah. Yeah. So this was my first run-in with what the fuck am I going to do? And then um, and then a friend of mine, um, you know, I really didn't know what I was going to do, man. I was like, oh, I have no idea, you know, and I'm up, like, I get kicked out. You know, I have no idea. Uh, ended up getting kicked out later, you know, but. But uh, ended up at a friend's house until I left at Sacramento. But um, you know, you know what? Not to cut you off, but the circle back to that that whole thing about the recruiter. What kind of fucked up incentive is that for the recruiter? Is it's this... fucked up. You're just getting cattle. Yeah, and not that, but the, you the, know, he he doesn't give a shit who's coming in because all he's trying to do is collect a paycheck. So he just wants people in. He wants to feed them whatever they want to hear or whatever he can do to hype them up to get into it. He doesn't give a shit about you or anything. He doesn't give a shit that like that, that makes me laugh. The whole thing is like, you're not going to make anything out of it. You're not going to get out of here. 
So you're just saying that so I sign up so you can get your bonus. Yeah, because I'm sure if I had like cried or whatever and changed my mind, I'm sure they could have ran my ass right back upstairs. Oh, hundred percent. me in. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, but at that point, you know, I'm also stubborn. You know, and uh, I literally was just like, no, no, no. And so, I mean, in that car ride is from like, I still don't even remember where it was. Like, it's by like. Uh, this weird restaurant called uh, the Rusty Duck. Where the fuck is that at? The Rusty Duck uh, by like Pear Blossom Highway. No, not Pear Blossom Highway. Uh, what's that? What's that called? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm like not by the with... train tracks uh, north, Sacramento, Richards Boulevard. It's up there, man. Uh, vague... So the drive, the drive was long from all the way up there to South Sacramento. Yeah, you're like 15, 20 minutes. And there was traffic and stuff. Oh, you know? it was fuck. Just like, like 30, 35. Was... Yeah. <laughs> that was a DMT long-ass car ride. <laughs> I mean, that... <laughs> fucking shit. Silence, no music. Oh. No air conditioning. He was trying to make that shit as awkward as you, fuck. Man. You basically yanked the fucking sandwich out of his mouth right before he got ready to eat it. I guess, man. I mean, it just, you know, hey, you I, were, I still don't I'm even serious. think I would have been the, the, that good in the military. You but, know, I would have been a failure. I, I couldn't have done any of that shit. Yeah, but the, hold, on, you're, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you're missing a part. So the, the, the military has a cutoff. What is it? Like 86 IQ is what the military has a cutoff for. 86 or 93. They're not looking for the best and the brightest. They're looking for fucking automatons. So they just want people that can take orders and not question anything and think outside the box. Sure. I mean, mine was a little different. Like I had to do a background check to even get to this, to that point. Like they, they talked to like my some elementary school teachers I had for the military. Yes. Cause I had to get, I had to get a security clearance to even sign the contract to look at the job description. It was what? weird. In order to enter military intelligence, oh, that's you have why. to go, you have to get like a background check, like of your character. And so the only hangup that, that I had was that, uh, my stepdad was from Afghanistan. Oh really? And so th- they were, they were wondering about, not like it was pre nine eleven now, right? But you know, like they wanted to see about like communism, Soviet ties, oh Soviet my ties. God. You know what does he believe in? You know, like you know they did that. You know what they did that? Yeah, Th- that is... they, they, they talked to a long list of people to get the clearance. You know, well, you, it's we... not a hard hold background on, on. check, but they talk. They, you, they talk. you know where this doesn't make sense? If your job is intelligence. The whole idea of what intelligence is supposed to do is covertly operate. Nothing about that sounds covert. It sounds pretty <laughs> fucking blatant. So if you're trying to figure out if someone's a commie or a, a, a socialist sympathizer or whatever you want to frame it, you think asking them directly and all the people they interact with is really going to tell you an, an adequate amount of information? Well, no, they don't do it like that. They, they do it by sphere. So I remember when... I first was in the, like, 
when they start to review your stuff, the first trip was like my stepdad. But then after, like, they talked to everybody, but, but including even then, him. But even then, like, you guys can't gather intel without talking to the individual? Did, did, I don't know. I know, but do you understand what no, I was saying? Yeah, it sounds stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's intelligence. Intelligence is well, supposed to be covert, not blatant. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that was part of their process. They talked to the principal. They talked to my <laughs> high school football coach. They it's, talked. To... It's all show. All that. It's like a big, a big showing is what it is. That's so yeah, weird. At that, at that time, I was like worried. You know, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna get this. You know, so so it was more than just like they. They were really mad because it took time to even get me to sign the contract. Who cares? Like, my, to get to who cares? Our tax dollars pay for it. Calm the fuck oh, down. I hundred percent agree. Like, yeah, I have no, I have no, like, I'm not worried about it. I'm oh, just like, I just at I, that time, at that time, I didn't. At that time, I was just like, get me out of here. And honestly, I probably would have signed the, the papers if they had just walked my ass right up there in ten minutes. But it was oh, three yeah. hours, man. It was He's literally three festering. hours. See, I'm I'm curious if you're real intelligence, you think you'd be covertly disinvestigating everything and watching how people are doing. It probably would tell you more information than fucking talking to someone directly a lot of times. Oh, that's yeah. fucking hilarious. I mean, this is the that, more that I think about it. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so I dropped that and then uh, you know, that was the end of my military flirtation. And then uh, I had those CRC classes, and then I got it. And then oh, I got hold on, into hold on. professional play. You, you got to clip that right there. We're going to have to make an episode two because we're at two and a half hours. So, Are we done? Are we two still talking? I mean, I'm just talking to you. Yeah. What? What? what what's, <laughs> we'll do part two, and we'll pick up right when you get out of high school. All right, bro. I mean, let's see if this is a successful show. People might have tuned out long time ago. I, I don't well it doesn't matter dude I like these because I get to go back and listen to people it's like listening to conversations of uh people that that you like and you hang out with and stuff and you know it's it you're storing memory into the ether I appreciate it I mean I've never been asked to be on a podcast and I'm probably talking about too many tangents here and there but we started on DMT so that's your fault. <laughs> Podcast, like when you, now, you, now you got your taste for what it does. It goes where it goes. Podcasts go where they go. I've just got pretty good at trying to hold on to markers when we're talking that we can bring it back to the point. Like it's easy, like in the beginning when you do these, it's easy to get on a tangent and then you forget where you left off at. I've just got good over time of keeping a bookmark where, where the tangent took off and then trying to pull it back to the initial uh, starting point. No, you're very good at interviewing. I mean, I, you're very good. You I want to say natural. No, you're good because well, part of the reason why you're good too is also you're you're inviting people you're you know you know and yeah you're comfortable with you know. Well, I actually like to see you invite people you have no. Who the fuck are you? We're gonna sit here and talk about stuff. That'd be kind of cool, but maybe not. I don't know. It, the, the, you know the biggest problem I run into with stuff like that is no one's. No one's willing to come on. Everybody's scared to death. Everybody's so scared to give an opinion. Uh, dude, it is wild. How many people I talk to that, that say I would come on, and then when you get ready to put their feet on the fire, they're like, no, 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 I, I don't, I don't want to come on. I don't, I, I don't know what to say. I don't. It's like, what are you talking about? Just 
Come on, talk. Well, part of it too is like for me, uh, I know we were talking a lot about acting and whatnot, and there's more of that, but uh, I honestly really prefer to be behind the scenes. You know, I just, that's me. Directing, producing. Yeah, I just, I like, I like creating, you know. Oh, I don't blame you. I'm on the the same page as that. I'm glad I, I'm glad I know acting and I, I'm glad I know that process and I'm glad I have that training because it really helps with what I do. But that being said, you know, um, you know, that's, that's not what I want to do, you know, so doing podcasts or whatnot. Yeah, I can see that it's terrifying, you know, if you're just like, oh, opening up. Uh, well, not that, but whereas if, you, if, you, you jumped off that long ago and you, you're, you're enjoying the, 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 the flight, you know? Yeah. Well, the big thing is this, you got to be confident in what you think about things. So if you haven't spent the time to really think about an idea and then somebody flushes it out in real time, it falls the fuck apart because it's not your idea. It's something that somebody said and you're regurgitating it. So unless you've actually sat down and and put some thought into what's being said to see if it's something that makes sense to your core values, then then you're going to run to issues when someone challenges a little bit. Yeah. And I can see. Yeah. And and I can see it just like, you know, the on air aspect where, you know, especially when I'm like, Oh, you're going to edit that. And you're like, Nope. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, yeah, it ain't happening. It's, that's hey, here we go. You yeah. know what I mean? It, and there's and there's nothing wrong too with with if you're if you feel like you're backed into a corner or anybody and this thing, I don't know. I'm I'm giving my opinion. It could be hundred percent wrong, but this is just the way I view it. I you mean, know, without trying to go too far on, on modern stuff, I mean people and I I've felt like this forever. That's why I've never been active on social media, you know, I just personally. Uh the internet is forever, you know, and people really use that shit against you as an attack vector, you know? And, you know, a lot of people just don't want attack vectors. I'd say bring it. That shit don't. I've been. Oh, yeah. I I, I could tell you've welcomed it, you know? Like, oh, yeah, This is, something, this is something for you. You I'm know, a, where white, a lot of people. I'm a white trash kid from Lincoln and a fucking hood rat South Sac kid from fucking South Sac. Grew up fucking working my ass off doing blue collar work. That shit don't. Like someone talking shit to me doesn't fucking phase me an inch. Yeah, more people should hear people talk like you, <laughs> like you talk. More people should hear that. Well, but this is you how know? the average blue collar person talks. It's 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 a lot of shit talking. It's how you cope. You know, yeah, I know. I mean, this is how I grew up. This is where you know we're very similar. You know, except we diverged. You know, on, on professional paths, but same people. You know. Yes. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up. I grew up. If you didn't know how to tell your mama jokes, <laughs> uh, man, you got fucked up. You know, I and mean, then like, you know, what's funny too is when I was at Valley, I was like subpar at like comebacks and shit, right? Sub fucking par, like barely scratching my survival. Everybody else is just like the most brutal comedian tears you down. Everybody laughs, you know. So you just like, you know, go with it, you know? But when I got to see around all those fucking preppy ass motherfuckers, dude, you would have thought I was Richard Pryor, bro. Man, I was just oh, like, none of them could take the a fucking joke. Motherfucker. 
No. No. I mean, see something with that mind you. Something with that shit talking mentality, I think it it comes from more economically downturned areas. Like those areas that are kind of high fluting or whatever the fuck you want to phrase it as. I don't think that mentality of shit talking and hazing and 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 kind of going at each other is more common in those areas as it is with the economic downturn areas. Bro, my brand, and I haven't even talked about my Hollywood story, my brand of Hollywood is like the smash and grabs you see here at Nordstrom's and whatnot. That's how I've been running Hollywood. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I made a hundred grand off a gig that I, I closed the deal like in a bar that in a hotel bar, they ended up like finishing the gig finishing the deal in like this dude's like, you know, uh sweet, you know, just what, and I'm not even invited to the party, bro. Like you just go, you know what I mean? Like I've gone to so many conferences that I didn't even pay tickets for, man. I just go, <laughs> you know, you just do the South sack thing, you know, what are they going to do? Tell me no. Yeah. You know, but... you just, you walk in like you, like you own it, you know, that, it, it's funny you say that like right now I'm getting ready to make a move to Lexus. And when I was trying to make the move initially, my, the company I work for shot it down, but we're saying that we're part of the same corporate structure now. And I remember they were giving me shit. They're like, you'll never be going over there. They don't want you there. This and that. And they were giving me all the shit. I was like, okay, I can't go over there. So then I fucking just quit. I put a two week notice in at, at the place I was at. And right when I put the notice in, I went over there and applied at the other place Another place gave me a job, and the other place gave me, Lexus gave me the job. Nice. Well, the the thing is now now since we're under the same corporate structure, I, when I did my application, it asked me if I was part of the, the the group's parent company. I was like, yeah. So I put it in, and as soon as I put it in, and they and they found out what was going on, they reached out to the to Lexus, which I was applying at. They figured out that they wanted to hire me. Then they told my old dealership, hey, this guy's going over here now. And like that, that all, that all unfolded to like today and my fucking managers lost their shit. I think I, they haven't talked to me about it since, but they're not in a position because now we're under a corporate structure. We're not a small independent dealership where they're, where they're King Kong. Now there's some peon that operates in the system that can't fucking actually make the decisions they think they can make. Oh, it was fucking hell. It was fucking hilarious when this unfolded today, man. Good for you, man. Sometimes you just got to do that shit, man. Uh, sometimes you just got to climb over the balcony, sneak through the oh, hotel room. It's like that. I was just ready. I was do like, whatever you got to do. You yeah, know? I was just like, fuck it. I can't go over there. Fine. I quit. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Well, yeah, I'm putting my two weekend. Where are you going to go? I don't know. I have no plans, but I don't know. I'm not going to be working here in two weeks. Do you want me to quit today? No, we need you to finish out your two weeks. Okay, then. That's where we're at. Yeah. All right walk across the way, apply at the place right next door. They said I couldn't go. Like, aren't you still working at Toyota? No, I put my notice in. Cool, we'll hire you. When can you start? In two weeks. And I bet you at that point, if you really wanted to, you probably could have got a pay increase. I don't want a pay increase. I'm not. Oh, I know you don't want yeah. to. It wasn't about that. Well, I'm, I'm getting, but, a, I'm but, getting, going to where I'm going, I'm getting a huge pay increase. But I, the schedule is the thing. Because Lexus is Monday through Friday. The deal, our dealership, if for me to go into the main shop, isn't Monday through Friday. It's seven days a week on a rotating schedule that changes every week. 
Hmm. But yeah. at least now you'll have a constant. Yeah. Well, I have a constant now because I'm in recon. It's just I got a giant pay increase going to another dealership that's has a stable schedule too. All right, buddy. You, man. We're going to have to do part two, man. We're just going to wrap this thing up. Hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity. I even forgot we were doing this. I was talking to you, man. Yeah, so, I told you it just goes. It just, it's way smoother than you think it would be. Well, I got to go up to your house and do the burn barrel again. Up back, you know, enjoy some time, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no doubt, man. Invitation is always open, man. I really do. Really got to take you up on it, man. All right, well, I know it's late. Oh, yeah. It's like, fuck, what is it? one in the morning now all right man well your viewers are probably (laughs) asleep (laughs) well we're not live this is all i I dropped these on sunday so it'll be a good thing to fall asleep to whoever made it this far my phone number is no no it ain't (laughs) all right brother all right buddy peace